Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Buckle up, welcome in. Justin Kenner, Kev Nash with you here on a Thursday. How in the hell is it Thursday? I'm ready for it, man. That means we're one step closer to the Buckeyes on Saturday. Buckeyes, what's that? The Ohio State University football uh, team. Isn't that old football team that used to play like last year? Last year? <laughs> like, yeah. Holy, like, I tell you what, I want it so today at lunch. I was like, man, it just, I could tell we're just getting closer and closer to, and I opened the door and it was just a wall of heat that hit me. I'm dry, like, it's freezing this morning. So I got this like long sleeve shirt on and it's kind of hot outside. Where, what the heck, man? I've really enjoyed the crisp, cool air over the last couple of weeks. It just feels like college football. The only thing keeping it from feeling like college football is the Buckeyes on the weekend. <laughs> I don't care what weather it is. Rain, sleet, snow, sun, tornadoes, hurricane, actually no tornadoes, no hurricanes, none of that <laughs> stuff, you know, but I cannot wait for Saturday. This is one of those where I don't care who they're playing. I don't care that the game might be done by the end of the first quarter. Uh, it's going to be so cool just to see Ohio State finally kick off. Why are you looking at me like You that? bring up tornado. You lived through a tornado here in Ohio last May, and you just went to a hurricane, right? Yep. <laughs> you, you're a world traveler, man. Yeah. Well, you know, Schlemmer used to joke all the time, say, the curse of the kidder. That, that bad weather follows me everywhere. And uh, he is not uh, he, he is not wrong as far as that uh, is concerned. But, yeah, a lot of good games. We're going to take a look at some of the top uh, matchups in college football in the NFL. We're going to give you our Week 7 NFL picks today. Uh, we'll get to all of that. We're going to be joined uh, momentarily here in about 15 minutes. Austin Ward from Letterman Row. We're going to chat with him, preview the matchup between the, uh, with the Buckeyes matchup with Nebraska coming up here on Saturday as well as maybe peek ahead to Penn State. I know everyone says, well, you got one game at a time. I don't do the one game at a time thing, man. I'm all, it's all about the the big one, the one that matters, that week two one. And then if they, they trip up, then they trip up on Saturday. Then I'll no. be ran and raving yeah. on Sunday and Monday. Don't you worry about it. All right, we got lots to get into. Again, Austin Ward with Letterman Road joins us coming up here in 15 minutes. I want to open up with this. So Odell Beckham Jr., uh, I'm not trying to – like this – this really isn't about the Browns, for say. It's about Odell Beckham Jr. We're moving on. I'm not going to – we've talked enough Browns this week. Hell, even I'm sick of talking about the Browns at this <laughs> point. Um, OBJ, a very polarizing figure within the National Football League. You know, when you look at some of the biggest names in the NFL, uh, OBJ is right up there. This is not about which receivers are better. There's a lot of probably receivers that have, from a production standpoint, have been have produced more for their teams over the last couple of years than OBJ has. But a lot of those guys aren't bigger stars than OBJ, and you can argue, okay, well, what does being a star mean? Who cares? You know, if, if you being a star, uh, I heard you know on Greeny's show earlier today, he he mentioned how he he was getting a lot of you know he called Baker Mayfield a star earlier in the show, and of course I guess his mentions just got he got lit up uh, on social media, and he goes, look, folks, you may not like it, whether you like it or not, though, but Baker Mayfield's actually a household name across the NFL. Maybe not for all the right reasons, but there are a lot of quarterbacks, and he mentioned Ryan Tannehill as an example. Ryan Tannehill is not a household name across the National Football League. 
But if you ask every team around the league, I'll, you know they'll probably tell you they'd rather have Ryan Tannehill than Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's a bigger star, but he doesn't mean he's the better quarterback. I thought that was an interesting distinction because I think sometimes you and I go back and forth all the time, and I'm like, I'm like you can't disrespect a star like that. Baker, you can. OBJ, I still, you know. <laughs> but being a star doesn't necessarily mean that you are an elite talent. So I thought that was a good distinction by Greeny as far as that's concerned. Um, this past uh, this past Sunday, you know, when the, when the Steelers briefly beat the Browns. <laughs> uh, it was close early. It was like 0-0 when it kicked off, and then that's where it just kind of separated. OBJ was like, you know, the camera was obsessed with him, like always. The camera was, I mean, they kept panning over to him every time he'd come off the sideline. And if you watch any other game, you watch a Bengals game, they're not panning over to the sideline. They're not panning over to the side. If they do, it's to just see kind of Joe Burrow interact with coaches and players. Then after that, they're done. And this isn't a jab at the, at the Bengals. I'm just saying like another team locally, you know, you watch a lot of Bengals games. Watch every game. And if there's a disgruntled player on the roster, the camera's going to find him. Right. I don't really think OBJ is disgruntled as far as I'm concerned. I, I think he's actually said all the right things and done all the right things as far as that's concerned since coming to Cleveland. Um, but over the weekend, everyone started pointing to the coaches. He was not, he, you know, they panned over to him and he's yelling at teammates and like, oh, here we go. It's typical OBJ. Typical OBJ. He had some interesting things to say. He had a rebuttal for all of that for the media after when talking with him, of course, earlier in the week about the perception of who he is and the double standards that media has placed on him. Uh, not just on him, but like on the way he reacts and some of the differential ways that media approaches the way he acts on the sideline versus maybe a Tom Brady acts on a sideline. Here's OBJ regarding his, uh, his antics during the game this past Sunday, as well as the double standard that he believes exists where Tom Brady, although he doesn't name him, but we know who he's talking talking about Tom Brady gets a pass for acting the same way he does on the sideline Tom Brady's leadership OBJ's a cancer in the locker room take a listen to OBJ I got pulled out of the game the coach said this was the best decision you know we're gonna it's eight minutes left and for me I'd rather take my ass over like a man I'd rather take my win the same way um I want to be out there to the last whistle competing win lose I don't care for up 50 down 50 I don't ever want to come out of the game and that's always going to be my mentality um I'm kind of over you know, trying to play the right thing because, you know, I love them to death, but there's people who have plenty of rings and consider the gold and they do things on the sideline and other people do things on the sideline and they get away with it and it's classified as passion because they they may have um, something behind their legacy or whatever it is. And to me, there's no way around it. I don't care if I have zero rings, 12 rings, 20 rings. I, I love this game of football and I'm never going to, Keep, I'm not going to keep doling myself to uh, for the world to feel like I'm mature or whatever word you would like to throw around it. I'm always going to be me um, and tired of losing, um, tired of losing the good teams. What did he say that's wrong in there? Nothing. None. Like he's a million percent right. He justified, he was frustrated that he felt he had to justify his actions on the sideline. He was basically saying that, look, he was angry that he had to come out. He was telling his head coach, hey, why are you taking me out? You're taking me out because we're losing? He goes, I'm part of the reason we're losing out there right now. Why, why bail me out? Keep me out there. I want to be out there on the field whether we're down by 50. How can you listen to that and not, and I'm not saying you, how can people listen to that and not respect that? There's only one reason, and that's just because you hate the guy. Um, and that's really what it comes down to. We all know this. Look, I'm not going to talk politics with you, but these debates, like the debate tonight, it's really stupid. Do you think that anything, if you're voting for Biden, do you think anything that Trump says is going to make you all of a sudden say, you know what, that's a great point. I really, you know what, this Trump fella, he's a pretty smart guy. You know what, forget Biden. I'm going to go, I'm, gonna, I'm on his side now. And do you think that Biden is going to say anything 
that is going to make a Trump person change sides either. Well, by golly, I think this guy's really smart. I'm going to I'm going to take his side down. No, 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 no. That's not going to never. These debates are pointless. I think they're stupid. I don't think they work. They're for entertainment purposes only because I'm super entertained by watching them. I mean, it, the, the comedy in these is hilarious. My point is, is that when you as an individual are locked in on one way of thinking, nothing that an individual does or says is ever going to change your mind. Once, I mean, OBJ, like the critics, um, everyone that dislikes him and hates him, you know, anyone that hates the Browns, OBJ will do or say nothing that is going to get people to buy into him, to respect him, to believe him. And he's a million percent right. Tom Brady can throw his helmet. Tom Brady um, can cuss and scream, and he can go off on coordinators. He can go off on coaches. He can go off on teammates. And what do the broadcast? Man, look at, look at that guy. He's such a leader. So cute. Supermodel wife, super hot wife, man. He's, I love that fire, that passion. You know, oh man, I just I, I wish that I could have that fire and passion and drive in every aspect of my life. That's leadership for Tom Brady, but for OBJ, who's doing the same exact thing. His, you know, if the receivers aren't catching balls, he's right on there, you know, getting on their ass too. If the defense isn't making tackles, he's on them too. Now, maybe it's because I'll give it this: maybe the difference in position. Maybe people don't look at the wide receiver position as a as a, a position of leadership. Where man, we really need our receivers to lead this locker room. Maybe that could be it too. I don't know. But then again. Cam Newton would do a lot of the same things. And no, I'm not trying to make this about race or anything, but uh, it is interesting. Cam Newton can have the same type of antics that Tom Brady does. And Cam Newton is considered a guy that's, you know, poisoning the locker room. Tom Brady does it. Oh, man, he's just a great leader. Maybe it's as simple as, hey, when you win, you can act like that. And when you lose, you can't. Maybe that's what it is. But I agree a million percent with everything OBJ just said. What is wrong with what he said? Leave me on the field. I'm a competitor. I'm mad that we're losing. Good. How can fans not relate to that? You know, Bengals fans who hate OBJ and hate the Browns, you should be able to relate to everything he said. I hate losing. I hate losing to good teams. I just want to win. Every fan can relate to that regardless of what team an individual star plays on. I agree with you, um, but I think it does have a lot to do with what Tom Brady has accomplished and having rings. We take a look at the college basketball aspect of this. We look at a player like, I know this a little bit before your time, but Christian Leitner. I know Christian Leitner. I know for the Wizards? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Christian Leitner. Yeah, played with those great MJ Wizards teams, man. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. When he was at Duke, mm-hmm. he was one of the most hated players in college basketball. People called him dirty. Uh, you know, the Kentucky Wildcat fans know all about this. You know, people remember the shot that he hit from the free throw line to uh, advance them to the Final Four and everything over at Kentucky. But people also remember him stomping on a player's chest in that middle of that game where he should have been ejected. We overlooked that because he has jewelry and he's a champion. You fast forward to Grayson Allen, who's out here trying to break people's arms and tripping people left and right. People were like, he's terrible. Get him out of here because he didn't have the jewelry. He wasn't performing at the same level as a Christian Leitner. I think it all has to do with, hey, man, if you got the rings, if you bring it home the dubs, then we overlook a ton. But if you're not bringing home the big-time victories, the ones that really count, in the playoffs and in the NBA Finals or the Final Four, we're going to look at you side-eye. Like Chris Paul, people look at Chris Paul side-eye side because he likes to hit people below the belt. But uh, another player, like, shoot, Dennis Rodman, he kicked people below the belt. People don't say nothing because he got rings. I think it's really all he about... He that in this to air, though, wouldn't work. People didn't have the Twitter and the Facebook and all that stuff back. Oh, it was everywhere. It was everywhere. It it was on Good Morning America. It was everywhere when he kicked people in the nads. 
in the finals. In the finals versus Supersonics, Dennis Rodman kicked a dude in the nads. Shoot, Trayvon Green does Tra- it. Yeah, but people don't even bring that up no more because he got rings. I think it's really all about win- wins and losses. But Draymond, I don't look at as a superstar. Rodman, Rodman's a weird one. Personality. That person, yeah. Because play white, he was like the ultimate role player. Yes. Like, and I think role player is disrespectful to call him a role. That's what he was. But he brought more to the table than just how oh, I need you to go. He, he brought, uh, he brought a, an X factor to a team that really was just about flair. It was just mm-hmm. about like a persona. It was about toughness. It, it was beyond just, oh, yeah, he's a good rebounder. Uh, he brought a personality to a team that, that that desperately needed it, you know? Like, I mean, especially with those Bulls teams that couldn't come over, the, get over the hump of the Pistons, you, you know, who had him, then you get him, he brings that toughness over, and, and you know, it's just that it helps the identity of that team. But bottom line is, is OBJ, um, I, I think that, you know, a lot of times, and I remember when, like for baseball, when Yasiel Puig came to Cincinnati, where there was a whole bunch of red flags. Oh man, you guys, are, you're gonna, he's gonna be a headache. Look out, he's gonna be horrible. Ob, or he didn't do one bad thing. You know how I learned that uh, people like to skew the narrative of, of Yasiel Puig. Yasiel Puig was a fantastic player for the Reds. I mean, his numbers weren't like through the roof or anything, but he brought flair. Mm-hmm. He brought personality. He brought a toughness to a Reds team that desperately needed it. We never heard a word about Yasiel Puig the entire half a season stretch that he was there until they had that big brawl with the Pirates. And then right. what do you start hearing the media doing? Oh, look, the Reds are having a brawl. Even though Puig had nothing to do with it, but Puig was front and center of it. He ran out of the dugout and was front and center of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. really, it had everything to do with Dietrich and it had nothing to do with Yasiel Puig. But they're putting all the issues that that team had, they're blaming it on Yasiel Puig. That's what we do with OBJ. Hell, OBJ, I made the argument about him back in New York. I didn't have a problem. I was consistent about OBJ even when he was a giant, even before I even knew he was going to be a Cleveland Brown. I had, When he was throwing his tantrum on the sideline, although I think it makes you look kind of goofy, who in the world enjoys losing? I'm surprised more athletes don't have breakdowns like that because these athletes are super uber competitive. Mm -hmm. You don't get to the National Football League. You don't get to the NBA. You don't get to the majors. You don't get to where these guys are by not being super competitive. So it drives me nuts when athletes are on teams who do nothing but lose, and yet they're just content. They're happy. Like, I'm not doing this to rip A.J. Green, but I said the same thing about him uh, for years. They, They would be horrible and horrible and horrible. I love it here. I love it here. But don't you think there's something to say about, you know what I'm saying, not necessarily bottling that up, but there's multiple ways to express yourself. Just like OBJ said, he's not going to allow the media to stop him from being self-expression. I'm all about self-expression, you know. Uh, OBJ expresses himself uh, through fashion, through dance, through his uh, way he plays on the football field. I'm all about that. That's that's cool. But, you know, one person's self-expression is totally different, you know. Everything that we know about A.J. Green, he's a pretty reserved guy. I remember him catching a a 70-yard pass over Ike Taylor in the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he was literally, you would have thought he was Barry Sanders. (laughs) Like, you you just caught a a 70-yard touchdown, and you jog off the field doing a high five. If LBJ would have did that, if Antonio Brown would have did that, if Juju Smith-Schuster would have did that, Oh, my goodness. It would have been <laughs> popcorn, fireworks, uh, Sharpie, and everything. Everybody expresses themselves differently. All right. We'll get back into this coming up later on. Uh, we will talk a little more NFL, to The AFC North is about to get a lot more interesting. A, a wide receiver is available. In the in the Ravens, they, they worked him out. It's not the receiver you, you think, though. It's not who you think it is. Oof. 
We'll discuss that coming up around the corner. Let's talk some Buckeyes. Austin Ward with Letterman Rowe. I don't hear it. Austin Ward with Letterman Rowe. He joins us next. We'll talk about Ohio State, Nebraska kicking off the 2020 Big Ten season coming up on Saturday. Austin Ward, Letterman Rowe joins us next. everybody we welcome you back justin kinner kev nash with you here on dayton's espn radio station 1410 wing am we finally have ohio state football coming up for you this saturday you heard the ryan day coaches show earlier this afternoon during your lunch break uh and it finally feels like college football season which is crazy because we're a month and a half technically into the college football season and although i have enjoyed a, a few of the top matchups in college football I will say this, that like it's crazy a game that's not being played on a Saturday could impact the games that are being played on a Saturday. For instance, I'm watching Alabama-Georgia this past Saturday, and I'm like, this is great, this feels big, it's cool, but it was just, it was strange to me. It's like, it's like Ohio State beating up on someone earlier in the afternoon, setting the table for that is what makes that game make, you know, it's strange. But starting this Saturday now, watching Ohio State... Then it's really going to become interesting now watching some of those others. I think it's because you, you know, now you have a team to compare everyone else to. Even though Ohio State, we kind of know what we're getting. You know, mm-hmm. you know, with that offensive line, uh, run game, you know, with, with the wide receivers, Justin Fields, that defense. I mean, this is going to be an exciting season. And uh, there's really, really a time where we don't say that though. I can't remember the last time I said, "Well, this season's going to suck." <laughs> it's a football factory, man. All right. Well, let's get into some Ohio State football talk. We got Austin Ward with Letterman Road joining us. Austin, welcome in, sir. How are you? Hey, man. How are you? Good. I appreciate your time. So let's rewind all the way back to the Fiesta Bowl. The clock hit zero. Clemson beats Ohio State. Did you really think that you were going to have to wait all the way uh, to pretty much the end of October before you got to watch your next Buckeye game? Uh, no, I certainly did not. And <laughs> even. Uh, even March thirteenth uh, or fifteenth or whatever it was, I you know everything seemed normal and we we're going to go through a normal uh, spring camp and then the world stopped as we all know and that's one of the first things to go here was the spring game and that's when you realize that you know I I don't know that anybody even thought then that uh, there'd be significant delays but you did know that the, the chance of football not being played was real at that point um, when, when those steps were being taken and people weren't even allowed to practice. So uh, I think it's, um, you know, we went through some interesting spells there in August and September where it looked like it wasn't going to happen. And uh, now they found a way. And I think that, uh, as you said off the top there, Justin, they, thank goodness they did that we can we can all enjoy uh, a little bit of normal, normalcy, even if it's going to be very different than uh, other years. You talk about how it's going to be different. Uh, on Saturday, noon kickoff, Nebraska, little to no fans. Uh, I think it's like limited capacity with like fa- a family of players, correct? What Set the scene. What, yep. What's it going to look like when fans tune into the game on Saturday? What is this game going to look like and sound like? No band either. Yeah, no band, no cheerleaders, no Brutus. Um, you know, it's around 1,000 um, family and friends. Uh you know, primarily family, I guess, of, of players and coaching staff for both sides. Um, and, you know, I don't know. The, I think the exact breakdown somewhere around 600 for Ohio State, 400 for visitors. Hmm. And then, you know, the press box will be a pretty much ghost town. I know that doesn't show up on TV, but that's just a reminder that um, you know, someone like me or you, we're not exempt from from this situation. It's, there's only going to be 40 members of the media in attendance and. All the press conferences will be on Zoom, and 
Um, the the sound will be obviously completely different. They had to put in rules for what kind of you know, ambient sound and celebratory sound you can blast over the speakers. And wow. having been in the horseshoe a couple of weeks ago uh, for a practice where Ohio State was testing that out, um, it's you know it it echoes because of the way you know the acoustics mm-hmm. in that that stadium and it's it's a wild uh, weird scene. And I think it'll take it's going to take some getting used to for everybody. And I know that it I think it stings. You know, fans in the Big Ten to watch some of these other games elsewhere, where there's, you know, twenty, thirty thousand fans in the stadium. And Gene Smith thought that Ohio State was prepared, you know, to get that many in the horseshoe. But, uh, you know, the Big Ten is trying to level the playing field, and not every state is allowing uh, fans to attend right now. So that's the situation we're going to be in, and that's um, it's going to be strange on Saturday at noon. Now, is there? And I don't know if you touched. on I think you mentioned this. I'm not sure. I can't remember now. But is there? something in the works of potentially seeing fans throughout the season is that being discussed behind closed doors right now is there something being worked out the last i read on that was that of course uh kevin warren commissioner of the big ten you know it needed to be you know a unanimous decision across the board every stadium needed to look the same which is obviously difficult when you have a pandemic that's impacting the country differently in states across the country yeah i asked gene smith about that earlier this week and you know that's when he mentioned the fact that they had a plan in place with pods and given the size of the horseshoes where they could have, they felt get 20,000 people into the stadium comfortably. But um, the Big Ten is not allowing uh, individual institutions to go on a case-by-case basis and do that. So as long as, you know, I think the example he used was Wisconsin is not allowed, you know, to have any any fans, even including family or friends. Hmm. Um, you know, so that's even not the, that's the only real exception when you look from campus to campus right now is Ohio State's, and several others are allowing that. And I don't believe that, uh, unless unless I was being misled there, that the Badgers could you know have anyone at all in their stadium. So um, that's that's sort of the comp- the point is that you know state and and you know local guidelines in those areas are going to dictate what they can do. And until everyone has uh, the ability to bring in more fans, then then none of the schools will be able to. Austin, what's in the water at Ohio State where players like Sean Wade and Wyatt Davis, first-round picks, are coming back to college to play for free? What's in the water up there? What are they telling these guys? Well, you know, it's um, I know it's a cliche, and every school likes to, you know, talk about this, but clearly, you know, the culture is different in Ohio State. And what what makes it different? Well, uh, you know, you can see uh, – how, how much it meant to Sean Wade and Wyatt Davis when they could have been, you know, starting to collect some checks from agents and, and preparing for the draft instead of going through, you know, you know, today would be practice 41 for Ohio State without having played a game, uh, you know, since August and with a little break in there, obviously. Uh, they could have missed all of that and the grind and uh, dealing with daily testing and everything else, but they, the chance to, compete at a high level to get developed into a, a top draft pick, you know, compete for championships, uh, and knowing sort of what that means for your short-term career and your, your long-term legacy at a program where, you know, that can change your life forever to be a national champion. You could just ask, you know, somebody like Cardale Jones what, what that's meant for him, uh, no matter what happened after he was done playing in Columbus uh, in that 14 season. It changes people's lives, and I don't think that when you're talking about you know, Wade or Wyatt Davis or Josh Myers coming back last year, Justin Fields not even considering an opt-out. You know, I could go through the list, but those guys, 
wanted to wait and maximize and make sure they could every opportunity where they could play this year before uh, moving on. And, uh, you know, the, the Wade and, and Davis cases certainly got more interesting because it, it seemed to be trending away from giving them an opportunity to play in the college football playoff, which is something that uh, means so much to them. And they, you know, they want to be around that brotherhood. And, you know, I've, I've been places where you hear that and you kind of laugh and roll your eyes. But, you know, when you're around here, you can see it up close because there's there's a lot of visual evidence uh, about just how much it means to them. Now, obviously, Sean Way has one cornerback spot locked down. We've heard the names, Seven Banks, Cam Brown, Tariq Johnson. We know the names, but who has the game to have that other cornerback spot locked down? Yeah, I think this will be a situation – like Kerry Combs used to, you know, roll through those three guys. I think you'll see a lot of seven banks and Cameron Brown. Um, and I, I would bet that the snap count between those three guys, including Sean Wade, will be pretty even just the way that it once was, uh, you know, with guys like Gary Conley and Marshawn Lattimore and Dibzell Ward. Uh, you know, Banks and Cameron Brown have you know, only had a couple of limited chances to really show what they can do. Cameron Brown uh, maybe more than seven banks last year, but – those two guys are are about to become fixtures on draft boards. They they have all the, the athleticism, uh, body type, uh, technique, and then solid coaching that those guys that have come before have had. And you know I don't think that there will be any any second guessing at all for Kerry Combs to put them on the field uh, and rotate through on those outside spots. And then Marcus Williamson, you know, looks like a guy that's you know is four star, just kind of you know waiting his time in the program, hadn't really connected for him, and then he's going to be out. Lot as sort of a fourth, you know, fourth man out there. He could slide outside, but he's going to be in that slot, I think, primarily. So this, uh, you know, this cornerback situation, it's, it's insane to think about the run they've had with the draft picks, and uh, it's locked up still now for three or four more years to go nice. into the foreseeable future. Like it's, um, it's truly remarkable the level they've recruited and the way that they've developed that talent once it's arrived. Austin Moore, Leonard Monroe with us here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410 Wing AM. It's the Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash. Austin, Justin Fields is a player that obviously, uh, you know, one of the top names in college football, not just uh, Buckeye fans looking forward to seeing him. The world of college football can't wait to lay eyes on, uh, lay eyes on him as well coming up on Saturday. Uh, this has been an interesting offseason for him. He has stuck by Ohio State's side the entire time, uh, and, and just that leadership right there is one reason why you could just tell this locker room is just you know wrapped around him. What kind of year do you expect him to have outside of just saying a good one? Uh, what differences do you see in his game this year that you know we're, we should expect to see that you know he's built on from what he did last year? Well, I think that he had a Heisman winning, not just finalist-worthy uh, season last year. And it, it, you can't ever really say that it would surprise it for someone not to win the Heisman because it's such a difficult award to win and it only goes to one of them. And then his main competitions had a little bit of a statistical head start. But, but Justin Fields, to me, is the best player in college football. And I, I expect that uh, he, he will prove that over the next nine games. I think that he has a fantastic shot of winning the Heisman Trophy. I think that he can become the number one draft pick. When you're looking at his game, you know, I think – you know, Ryan Day's never had this before, which is kind of hard to believe as well with a quarterback, you know, starting for two years in his system and the familiarity that you get with the playbook. And, you know, those two teaming up with the way they see the game and, and fields with his athleticism and the weapons he has, it's just um, the sky's the limit. It would have been fa- I wish that we could see exactly what he could have done um, in a full season with some, you know, stat padding games 
outside of the league knocked in to, to see what school records he could challenge. But, you know, I think that the part with that familiarity with the offense where he takes the next step, if there was one thing that he didn't do maybe at an elite level, still very good, was sometimes he would hold the football too long and maybe not get through as many reads as he could potentially get through now. Um, I think that led to some of the sacks that he took last year that weren't necessarily uh, on the fall of the offensive line. Um, again, that's nitpicking because he was just about everything you could possibly hope for at the quarterback spot last year. But that's probably an area where I would look at where you, you get smarter, you see things faster, uh, you understand the concepts better, uh, and then you take that and translate in with another year to develop physically, and, and some scary things can happen. You know, we can't talk about Justin Fields without talking about the weapons. What is this wide receiver rotation going to look like? Because, you know, uh, Olave Wilson, the freshman, uh, Fleming, uh, Scott, we got an older guy in Jalen Harris. Like, there's a ton of weapons for him to throw the ball to. What is that rotation going to look like? Yeah, pretty pretty similar. I think Ohio State and Brian Hartline have gotten really, really pleased with the way that six-man group uh, will work out. Um, you know, Ohio State's hoping that Cameron Babb can stay healthy because he just hasn't been able to do that, even dating back to high school with the knee injuries. But when he's been able to do his thing, uh, people that have seen him play just rave about the athleticism and you know his his knowledge of the game. So uh, we'll see if he can crack into that mix. Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think, is the one to really watch uh, for those freshmen. You know, all of them are going to play. Um, and then Julian Fleming, we know, just about the off-the-charts athleticism, number one wide receiver recruit in the country. But you look at what Jackson Smith and Jigba did, and I think you'll see him and Garrett Wilson both playing out of the slot, which is going to create so many problems uh, for defensive coordinators. I, I just I don't know what you're going to do there because you're going to leave Jamison Williams and Chris Olave uh, in coverage out there on the outside and then a safety or a nickel. Uh, God forbid a defense gets stuck with a linebacker trying to defend Garrett Wilson or Jackson Smith and Jigba because that will not end well uh, for them. Uh, it's you know the the way that Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson and Brian Hartline have you know amassed this talent and the creativity that they have with um, offensive game plans and creating mismatches and then pairing that with Justin Fields. It's like you know it, it's it's a Death Star passing attack, man. I don't. <laughs> it's it's going to be really fun to watch. Austin, last thing, and we'll let you go, but I'm curious your thoughts on this. Uh, obviously, Master T got the season started on time. We don't know what his role would have been early on in the season. If there's a silver lining to the season being pushed back, is that you're going to have him ready to go. I am curious your thoughts on if Master Teague never got injured, would Ohio State have pushed as hard as they did to get Trey Sermon? And with that being said, is the silver lining that, hey, they were expecting to only have Trey Sermon be the featured back with Master Teague out, and now they have both of these guys healthy? I don't think that this staff anticipated both of these guys being healthy and ready to go um, when the season started. That is the case now. What was already a potent offense now has two dominant backs. I mean, this could be really interesting, too, as far as the run game is concerned. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, that position has been, uh, I don't know, entertaining to watch, I guess, over the last <laughs> 10 months. There's been a lot going on there. Uh, the, the potential for Trey Sermon to leave Oklahoma and come to Ohio State, that was a possibility and, and being talked about or whispered about uh, before Master okay. Teague was injured. Uh, I think that that would have happened no matter what, but it did, to your point, you raised there, that, that that enhanced the urgency, and I think that that made it Ohio State even more appealing than it already was uh, to Trey Sermon when he was looking for that next spot. Um, you know, I, I think 
look, Master Teague, with or without the injury, he's a, he's a man who had a lot to prove. Uh, those last four games for him, and especially in the second half against Clemson, when he had to go up there, I, I think it was nine yards on seven carries. And over the last four games, when you expanded it, I think he, I think it was around 51 yards on 17 carries or so, some, something in that ballpark. You know, he was not the same guy against the elite competition that he was earlier in the year. And, and that's fair. That doesn't mean that he had to be. It was just his second year in the program, and everybody uh, dissolves at their own pace. But I think that that was a wake-up call maybe for Master Teague uh, about what, what it was going to take to get that next level and to do the things that J.K. Dobbins or Ezekiel Elliott or Carlos Hyde or, or whoever else had done for this Ohio State offense. He wasn't ready for that role yet. So, um, again, getting you know six or seven extra weeks when you're coming off an Achilles tear is a big deal. Um, I'm, I'm in the camp where it's it's wait and see because um, that is such a difficult injury to have, especially at the position he plays. Um, you know, can he go out there and make the cuts? Does he have the confidence? Is the speed there? You know, Tough Borland two years ago had this same injury, and you know he was he rushed back, and you, you could tell he was never fully uh, back to the level that he wanted to be. So we'll see. He's a guy that I think just has a lot to prove in a lot of different ways. Austin, answer this quick on your way out. We saw Florida LSU have to push a game back. They have weeks to do that. If this happens to Ohio State, whether it's an outbreak on their roster or not, how's the Big Ten going to handle that? Well, they need the college football playoff to help them out because they didn't leave themselves any any wiggle room. Uh, I think if more uh, cancellations across the country pop up, the the person that can the group that can help the most is the college football playoff again, which that draws on all the leagues. Uh, and they don't seem to want to help each other. Yes, that's right. <laughs> summer, but but they but they are gonna they're gonna need to. Like if the SEC is starting to have problems, like what you just talked about, um, the easiest way to give everyone a chance to play as many games as possible is to move the playoff back. You don't have to do it far, but one or two weeks would certainly help. Um, you know, I don't know what the likelihood of that actually happening is, Justin, but that would that would certainly help everybody. All right, good stuff. Austin Ward, Letterman Row, awesome enough to hang out with us here. As we get set for Ohio State, Nebraska kicking off finally this Saturday at noon, 1030, the pregame right here on Dayton's Home of the Buckeyes, 1410 ESPN Radio. Austin, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your week, and uh, enjoy Saturday, would you? <laughs> Will do. Thanks for having me, man. All right, good stuff there. Austin's a great guy. I appreciate him taking time. And, yeah, so the Trey Sermon thing is interesting, too, because I was always I glad I remembered to ask that this time because I forgot last. But, yeah, like, Ohio State, they were fortunate when Master Teague went out that they were able to kind of hit the, the transfer market, the free agent market, as mm-hmm. I like to call it in college. But, uh, yeah, to his point, they were inquiring about Trey Sermon, you know, before Teague got hurt. Right. Would Sermon have come to Ohio State if Teague was healthy? I'm not saying that there's any problems right now or, right. like, that he's unhappy. I almost wonder, though, if Teague was healthy, what Ohio State, you know, what did Ohio State promise? It was easier to promise him a lot of carries when Teague's out and he's going to be the feature guy. But now it's basically the situation he had in Oklahoma. It's going to be carry, you know, splitting a lot of carries. Did he leave Oklahoma because he didn't want to do that? It's going to be interesting. I don't know what you, Teague Sermon really good. I'm just curious which one's going to edge the other one out because we saw this with Weber and J.K. a few years ago, and obviously J.K. separated himself significantly from Weber. It, good competition's a good thing. Absolutely, it's competition great thing. is great, especially in college football. You know, it pushes other guys to be better. Um, I think it's going to lean towards Sermon because of his ability to catch the ball out the backfield. And, you know, that, like he talked about, that injury, man, like, you don't want to push it, man. You don't want someone to re-injure themselves. I mean, this thing just happened. You know, it's a long time. Matter of fact, he got hurt, like, pre-Rona, you know. 
So you think he got hurt like in February? You know what I'm saying? So to actually be out there practicing right now after an Achilles tear is remarkable, you know. And we talked about tough Borland coming back. You know, it's just something up there in Columbus, Ohio, where they're mending these guys up faster than other people. Convincing people to come back to school <laughs> to play football for free. Uh, Ohio State has a special thing going inside their program, and I just hope we bring it home with a national championship. All right, more Ohio State talk coming up around the corner, but uh, that is interesting what Austin said at the end. I know if you keep asking that same question all the time and everyone's answer is, well, you just push it back. It's not that simple. If the SEC, ACC, and others say no, it's not happening. It's unfortunate, but I could see an ugly picture. Uh, I could see. I'm seeing already an ugly picture already started to be painted. That's my biggest concern. We'll dive into that when we come back. Don't go anywhere. It's finally game week. Join us this Saturday on 1410 ESPN Radio as the Ohio State Buckeyes welcome in Nebraska. Pre-game starts at 10th and Kinner Show with Kev Nat. Back to the famous WING studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. Austin Ward, Letterman Row. Appreciate him taking time and hanging out with us here today on a Thursday, two days away from the Ohio State Buckeyes. Finally kicking off the 2020 college football season. Ohio State, Nebraska, noon kick, 10.30 the pregame. You can catch all of that right here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Coming up this Sunday, myself and College Football Hall of Famer Keith Byers, we will be live out at Frickers on 741 by the Dayton Mall. We are bringing back the Sunday morning tailgate show. Every Sunday morning at 11.30 a.m., we will start the show. You can listen on 1410 Wing AM, but we'd prefer that you'd come hang out with us at Frickers on 741 by the Dayton Mall, getting you set for the biggest games in the NFL uh, that particular Sunday, as well as recap, tend to be tall and pretend to be skinny. Well, there you go. It's it's worked out for me. All right, so let's go to this. Uh, William on Facebook. Again, you can listen, stream, and now watch. Watch us live on Facebook. Head to Facebook. Search the Justin Kinner Show. Watch along. William says, this is the way college football should be. Conference games only. No trash cupcakes. 52 to 0 snoozers. Um, I agree with you 1 million and 10%. However, sometimes you do, William, get those 52 nothing snoozers even in conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't avoid those. But I think fans can forgive the constant blowouts within conference play because you know it's it's within conference play um when you talk about the william and mary when you talk about you know the you know citadel and you talk about those games i think that's where fans get a little frustrated uh you get tired of single house state play the mac and you know and all that you know but it is what it is as much as we don't like it for the fans who love going to games you know if we were never going to fill the shoe again you probably won't see any non-conference games which obviously that's not going to be the case moving forward but um those Miami of Ohio games those Bowling Green games those you know Buffalo those are all done so that you can have extra games to go to so that they can you know put 110,000 people in the shoe and make money doing it that way so the thing about college football that's different than the NFL Going to a college football game is an experience. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the NFL game is an experience. Like I've only been to one, so to sit really? there and say I definitively know. But like, the f- I, I've you know I never hear people say, "Man, you got to go to a game in Cincinnati. You got to right. go to a game in Cleveland. You got to go." You know, maybe Jerry's World. Some of these newer stadiums are like if you pay like the new arenas that are being put up, stadiums that are being put up. I think that the NFL and those leagues and those teams they're trying to create that atmosphere. That's why every stadium that goes up, they're trying to add their own unique touch to right. it so that, hey, you got to go to a game in Vegas. You got to go to a game in Dallas. You got to go. So that's changing. But to me, college uh, football is an experience. So fans.
fans, like, I'm going to go, if someone says, hey, I got football, hey, I got tickets for the Buckeye game this weekend, I promise you this much. Well, for one, fans always know who they're playing. But no one's going to say, oh, who who they playing? Mm-hmm. It's always, oh, you got tickets to see Ohio State? I'm going. Right. Like, it's an experience. It doesn't matter who they're playing. Um, to where some, it's like, oh, who are they playing? Eh, I'm not going to go to that. I'm not going to go. Like, if, oh, I got, since, I, I got Bearcat tickets for you this weekend. Oh, the number nine team in the country, who are they playing? Oh, yeah, I'm good. I, I don't want to go. Right. College, you know, that's just the how college it is. experience is way different. I mean, you know, Camp Randall at night, the whole jump around thing before the fourth quarter. Uh, you go to Michigan, the big house. You go to, you know, Touchdown Jesus with Notre Dame. You go down to, ne- uh, not Nebraska, but you go to Tennessee. Like, they have boats that pull up to the stadium. Like, every college campus, every college team has their own unique traditions at an NFL game is pretty stocked and standard you know you go to the muni lots you grab some burgers and some dogs you get drunk a little bit before you go in the game you watch your team you go home but in college football is the tailgating experience starts at 9 a.m. for eight o'clock game you tailgate all day I remember going to the Ohio State Texas game in Austin Texas uh, college game day was out there uh, we started tailgating with all the locals and everything like that uh, about 10 o'clock in the morning. It was a night game. It was awesome, you know, to see other schools' traditions. I mean, I've been to an Ohio State game probably like over 20, 25 games. You know what I'm saying? It's still great. But, you know, pre-Rona, my brother and I decided, you know what, we're going to start going to other campuses. We're going to start going to these Ohio State games when they're at Camp Randall, when they're at Penn State, when they're at these other schools, like, you know, to see their traditions and have a good time because that's what it's really all about, seeing what these other schools have to offer and just have a blast. But Rona strikes again. Yeah, I went to uh, when Ohio State, in fact, it just popped up on my memory thing on Facebook the other day. Ohio State lost to Purdue, obviously, a few years ago, and I, we were at that game. And it's Purdue. No one says, oh, man, Purdue atmosphere. you got to go to a Purdue football game. But, like, even, like, those teams, mm-hmm. you could have a college football. I mean, that experience, like, no, I'm never going to say, oh, man, you got to experience a Purdue <laughs> game under the lights. But that was one hell of an experience. That was one hell of an atmosphere. I mean, it's the right. game. It's For them, it was the game. You have Ohio State coming in under the lights. They're ranked. You're, you're looking to pull off an upset. Uh, I mean, good for them. Like, that place was absolutely rocking. It was freezing cold. It was windier than all get out. And, and it was the ball 75 times. And he threw the ball 75 <laughs> times. I thought Zach Taylor was coaching the team there for a second. It was unbelievable. But, no, the it was... It was cool. Like I like I said, I'll never come on this on this show and crack the mic and say you got to go to a Purdue game. But that night, that Purdue right. game provided one hell of an atmosphere. I was, was sick of it by halftime. Don't get me wrong, because you know they were not playing well. The, the but, train sound oh, yeah. every first down. Yeah, I mean all that type of stuff is great. Um, it's like you said. It's when it's those schools and Ohio State's coming to town for a night game. It's their Super Bowl. So the potential of them actually pulling off the upset. It's possible, like, you know, uh, Mississippi State, when Alabama comes to town for a 7 o'clock kick, you know you're going to get those cowbells all game long. So, you know, not necessarily I want to go to a Mississippi State game, but, you know, that's got to be cool. It's got to be cool. Got to be a good time. All right, good stuff. Hour one in the books. You are listening to the Justin Kinder Show with Kevin Nash on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410 Wing AM. Uh, William says uh, that rushing the field would be super dope. Like, I've never, have you ever rushed the field? Yes. I was there when Ohio State beat Michigan. Uh, Herb's first year, we rushed the field. Right. I've never been in somewhere where they've rushed the field, but that's because, you know, I don't follow any good teams. That's <laughs> I rushed problem. the court at Wright State before. 
But see, that's another one. Like, especially in town, we talk basketball. Nothing beats UD Arena. Nothing beats it. I will never sit there and say that. But to act like great atmospheres can't occasionally happen. Like, I've been to, like, uh, NKU's home mm-hmm. uh, home court. That place is an unbelievable place to watch a college basketball game. And we're talking maybe four or 5,000 fans there. We're not talking 12,000, 13 like at UD Arena. We're talking, you know. But every place has the potential to have a great basketball, yeah. football atmosphere. But you need a lot of fans there. You need sold out. You need people to be into the game and to understand. You know. So not so, this year. <laughs> that's going to be, you know, that's the that's the difficult part as far as all that goes. But, uh, all right, uh, 457-9464. That's the Justin Kinner Show. I, I see this book that we're going to get into here at Tim Minnick on Facebook. Uh, let's read it real quick. Obviously, you've never been to Cleveland uh, and started in parking lots with thousands of fans at 8 a.m. That is an experience. Many come just to tailgate all day, still out there after the game is over. The difference is many have to work Monday, much easier to party later on a Saturday night. That's fair. I didn't say that no great experiences exist in the NFL. And the one thing about Browns, you know, going to Browns games too. I mean, I'm very well aware of the tailgating and everything that goes on. But mm-hmm. again, you have to have a winning team. The, the winning team complements everything. So, Tim, you're a million percent right. The Browns, if they ever figured out a way to put a championship winning team out on the field to complement the tailgating before, they would have the best atmosphere in college football or in, in the NFL, no doubt. And, Tim, I'm right. from Cleveland. I've been to many of Cleveland Browns games, and I've been to many Bengals games. I've been to many Indianapolis Colts games. It's the same thing. NFL tailgates are the same thing. It's a parking lot, beer, brats, Go into the game, watch the game, go home. And let's be clear. Until you have fans jumping off into tables, <laughs> jumping off cars into Sounds tables, the you know, mafia. the Bills Mafia, you know, it's kind of hard to take that title from them, man. Hour two next. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff. But still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed. And they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs. And it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. The Justin Kinner Show, live here on ESPN Dayton. Are we good now? All right. We welcome you back. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on a Thursday. We'll give you our Week 7 NFL picks coming up around the corner. We just had Austin Ward from Letterman Row on to preview Ohio State, Nebraska. Of course, talk all things Ohio State. Talked about the receiving core, what the offense is going to look like, the depth at running back. At least, you know, although we, you know, with J.K. Dobbins dominating the, you know, the ball last year so much, uh, you know, the run game really being dominated between him and Justin Fields. We really don't know. We've seen spurts of, of Master Teague, and we really didn't expect to see much of Master Teague in 2020, but obviously the delayed start gave him time to get healthy. You get Trey Sermon transfer running back from Oklahoma, and now all of a sudden what was supposed to be his, I guess what you would look at as not his replacement, but a guy to fill in and carry the load while Master Teague is out until you kind of bring him back later in the year. Now you have both of these bulls ready to go, lined up, healthy, and, and it's going to be an exciting thing for Ohio State because, you know, and again, Austin Ward said too, look, look, Ohio State was looking to, you know, they were inquiring about Trey Sermon services even before the injury to Master Teague. However, 
you know, I don't know if if Trey Sermon would have potentially chosen Ohio State had Master Teague been healthy. I'm not saying that I know that for sure. But when you look at Master, or when you look at Trey Sermon's role at Oklahoma, it was very similar to what we're kind of anticipating here at Ohio State, where it was a split carry situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows? He might be the feature back. He might be Master Teague getting some of his carries versus him getting some of Master Teague's carries. So I, I don't like. I, I, people are thinking I'm positioning this as if there's some kind of bad. No. This is a great thing. Right. All the great teams have this. In Ohio State, I can't remember the last time we've talked about a season where we weren't talking about, man, well, what are you going to do with, with with this guy? I mean, how are you going to make sure he gets enough reps? Uh, we talk about a quarterback all the time. I mean, right now, a quarterback, and one thing I didn't even get to with Austin Moore that I meant to get to, Kev, is something happens to Justin Fields. How confident are we? in this team and how they re- rebound, how they respond. So th- that's, I guess, kind of where I'm at with that. That's the next thing I'm really cu- you know, curious about. I don't mean Justin Fields getting hurt, which, yes, Justin Fields getting hurt could be a big deal. Right. Justin Fields test positive, out for three weeks. You know, are we? T- you know, who, who are we looking at here? What, what's the quarterback situation like? Because I just saw that, of course, Stroud uh, and Miller both got you know had their black stripes removed recently. But again, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to be actively ready to go for 2020. The depth chart at quarterback is going to be something that's interesting to me, not just for being prepared this year, but. This is going to be the first time in a long time you went from technically Braxton to an, the last time you were, had an unknown quarterback was JT Barrett. Technically yeah. Justin Fields, but you knew that you were getting a star. Like so, again, you know how good these recruits are coming in, and Stroud and Jack Miller, but you don't know what you're getting yet. And I think that that's going to be the first time that Ohio State fans venture into that for a, for the first time in a long time. It's been almost a decade since you know the early 2010s when we were wondering about quarterback. We know what we get with Justin Fields, but after Justin Fields, it really does become questionable as right. far as that. And no one wants to find that out until next year. Yep. <laughs> yep. You know, it was so much we could talk to Austin Ward about. You know, one of the things I forgot to ask about, you know, linebacking core. You know, that was like a hot button issue like two years ago, the way the defense played with the linebacker so close to the line of scrimmage and all that type of stuff. So that we could talk about, you know, hey, man, technically this is a free year. You know, guys that are seniors this year can come back for another senior year. We could have talked to them about the, the possibility of guys coming back for another year. It's so much to talk about, and we've basically been waiting and waiting and waiting for Ohio State to kick off, and it's finally here on Saturday. This is coming in from William on Facebook. Again, head to Facebook, search The Justin Kenner Show. Follow, like, and uh, like, and watch along again. You can comment in the comment section. We'll pull your questions into the show. For instance, William says, uh, do you think Ohio State wins the championship in 2015 if Barrett doesn't get hurt? And uh, I don't, you know, look, no, I don't. Uh, JT Barrett played really, really well, uh, but I don't see them getting into, like, for instance, I still think they beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game after Michigan, of course, with JT Barrett, but keep in mind, it wasn't, it, it didn't take a win over Wisconsin to get into the playoff, it took the way they beat Wisconsin mm-hmm. to get into the playoff. I would not have put my money on them doing that with him. But then again, no one's thought that about Cardell Jones. But the reason they were able to do that with Cardell is because the style of the offense, spreading it out, taking advantage of the deep ball, that's something that JT, they were not doing with him and utilizing with him at that time. So, no, I know people think I like to take shots at JT. I'm not in this case. I just, you know, it's not because it's been he, a while. He it, No, they weren't going to win it with him <laughs> because I don't, in his defense, it's not that I don't think they could have won it with him because he wasn't good enough. I don't think they would have made the playoffs with him 
because beating Wisconsin wouldn't have guaranteed you a spot in the playoff. The only reason they made the playoff is because they just beat the doors down in Wisconsin. They put 50-something points, and Cardell just literally went off. To be fair, though, Zeke Elliott went off as well. Mm -hmm. The running game took off, but it was complemented with the -the down-the-field passing attack that Ohio State lacked with JT Barrett that Cardell exposed a lot of defenses for in that three-game stretch. Since we're playing a pretend game, let's just pretend that they did make it to that game versus Alabama because people will get their panties in a bunch and say, oh, they would have beat Wisconsin, but they wouldn't have been in there. So let's just pretend they would have been there with JT starting. I do not think they beat Alabama with JT at the helm. Um, I 100% believe that Cardell's ability to stretch the field with the long ball basically loosened up the defense for the run game to explode later on in the game. Um, So, no, I agree with you. No, I don't think they would have won it. But guess what? They did win. Yep, they did. They did, but either way. All right, 457-9464. That's the number to call in and join in on the conversation. Uh, Again, we're live on Facebook as well. So here's the other part of the conversation when it comes to Ohio State. And it's something we've spent a, a lot of time on. But Austin Ward brought a different perspective to this as well. Something we have not thought about is that Ohio State's chances of making the college football playoff if a game gets canceled. Let's be honest here. It's not up to the committee, technically. Like I, that's the thing too. Remember, we kept saying the committee needs to move it. It's really not up to the committee. Mm-hmm. Like the committee truly believes, and, and I know this is hard for Buckeye fans to hear, but there have been a lot of playoffs that have gone off without a hitch, without Ohio State in the playoff. They're, they're not looking at this and saying, "Oh man, we desperately need Ohio State in the playoff." Like I know people like to say that, and I agree. You should always want Ohio State in the playoff. They they bring you ratings. Obviously, they're one. They're capable of winning a national championship. But I do think that the egos of fans and a lot of fan bases, like Clemson's, Clemson fans will tell you the same thing, and I would say the same thing about them. Let's say that the ACC was in the Big Ten situation, Kevin, and let's say that you know they only played seven games. I would say, hey, I know it's Clemson. I know they have Trevor Lawrence. I know that they you know have been number one all year. But if you only play seven games, you can't get into the college football playoff. I would be saying the same thing about them, not just because it's Ohio State. I'm just being clear. That that situation could potentially present itself. Iowa, Florida, or I'm sorry, uh, Florida and LSU were able to postpone their game. Ohio State will not have that luxury, as far as I'm concerned. You heard Austin Ward say, Kev, it's really going to take other conferences speaking up and saying, "Okay, we want everyone to be, you know, eligible for this. Let's move it back." I, if if Ohio State stubs their toe along the way, and I don't mean losing, I mean they run into COVID, mm-hmm. whether it's them or an opponent, and they can't get a game in that weekend. The unfortunate thing is is that it's going to be up to the SEC to get the Big Ten and Ohio State into the college football playoff. I highly doubt that happens. And it's not Ohio State's fault or anyone's fault, but it is unfortunate that it would potentially come down to that. Because as we've seen during a pandemic, there was no better time or excuse for all of these conferences to come together and work together. And they all worked against one another. And we've seen what kind of mess we have on our hands. Ohio State's kicking off a month and a half after everybody else. Yeah, they didn't work together in the offseason. There's no reason to expect them to work together uh, once the college football playoff get close. But what I will say about that is other teams are and other conferences are experiencing outbreaks too. So if every conference is experiencing outbreaks, then that's the, I don't want to say best case scenario, but that's the scenario where I see the college football pushing it back. If there's basically only one team in the top four that's ready to go and healthy and everybody else is experiencing COVID outbreaks, I do see them pushing it back. One team, maybe, but like if there, say there's Bama and Ohio State experiencing breakouts, they're going to push it back. They're going to put they're going to put it on pause. 
Here's one, and I think you, a, a good question that in. I don't mind it, but you know a lot of people talk about player safety. They're not going to jump on this. Doug Morgan on Facebook says, could they potentially play two games in one week like a Wednesday-Saturday game? Ooh-wee. We just saw, again, NFL, not college. We just saw a Titans team win two games in four days or two games that they played on a Tuesday and played on. So two games in five days. Your team. Your team. Uh, Oh, yeah, the Tennessee Kinners. (laughs) Uh, You know, the COVID Kinners, right? Uh, But, uh, no, like, so we've seen in the NFL a team play two games in five days, and they won both games, and they didn't look tired at all, right? Um, Doug... I would like to say yes if they were desperate. And who knows? The Big Ten could be, des- you know, Ohio State could be like, oh, absolutely, because Ohio State could just say, we'll play all our backups, and they'll probably still beat most of the teams in the Big Ten. Not blow them out, but you know what I mean. No, I, I don't see that happening in college. I, yeah, I, 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 I don't see that. Uh, Doug, it's not a bad question. I, I think they would ponder it, but I don't think that they can literally get away with it from a perception standpoint. I don't see how that would happen. And another thing about college football is, you know, the TV contracts and the way things are set up, you know, they use all that extra inventory and extra time to build these games up, to build the hype up around these games, to get the most eyeballs on the television screen. I don't think you necessarily can maximize viewership if you play a game on Monday and then turn around and play another game on Saturday. I just don't think it'll work out that way. Four five seven nine four six four. It's the Justin Kinder Show with Kev Nash. All right, good stuff. We'll get back into some college football talk later on. Actually, I do want to stay in the college football world a little bit. But I want to talk a little bit about Trevor Lawrence. A a former Atlanta Falcon had a very interesting comment about what Trevor Lawrence should decide to do next year. In fact, Bengals fans, this is going to be a very familiar conversation that you had to hear a lot about when it came to Joe Burrow in becoming the number one pick in the NFL draft. Should Trevor Lawrence just return another year? That's one thing Joe Burrow did not have the choice of doing. Keep in mind, Trevor Lawrence does have this decision. Should Trevor Lawrence return to college for another year if the Jets have the number one pick? I don't see that happening, but a lot of NFL guys are voicing their displeasure with how much of a joke the Jets look this year. And you're seeing how bad teams can ruin good quarterbacks coming out of college's career. It's not that crazy to think that Trevor Lawrence should consider it. We'll discuss when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Follow ESPN 1410 Wing AM on Facebook. All right, we welcome you back. Justin Kenner, Kevin Nash with you here. A couple of uh, news and notes for you regarding Obi Toppin and his brother at Kentucky. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so a couple news and notes about the, the Toppin family here. The 2020 NBA draft on November 18th will be held virtually and hosted by uh, will be hosted from ESPN Studios in Bristol, Connecticut. The ESPN, uh, the NBA and ESPN announced earlier today. Adam Silver will be in studio at ESPN to announce the selections for the first round. And Deputy Commissioner Mark Tatum will be in studio to announce the second round. Top players will join the telecast virtually. So Obi Tobin clearly will be a part of that uh, as far as that's concerned. Uh, and again, that's going to air live November 18th, 7 p.m. Eastern. So that's interesting right there. We're going to carry the draft as well. So you're going to get to hear Obi's name be called, which I'm super pumped about that. I do feel bad for him that, like, this this sucks because I was really looking forward to seeing him. Like, he's not going to have that that video clip of him walking up on stage, Mm -hmm. you know, shaking the commissioner's hand, putting the hat on. You know, again, everyone's impacted by COVID a different way. I just feel bad for him, man. This kid took UD... To places we didn't think that he that, that this team was going to go. I'm not going to say that no one thought that this program can go because this program's been there before. But like it's, you know, in today's basketball, for Obi to do what he did, and then for him not to get a chance to shine in the NCAA tournament, 
Uh, you know what I mean? Like, and then so, and then you you know get to the dra- the draft pushed back, and then it's buried in the middle of November, in the you know heart of college football season, and you know at the heart of the NFL season. All the attention is just elsewhere. It's going to be re- this city is not going to care about what else is going on. They're going to be locked in, Kev. But as far as this, this so it's, I feel bad for him. It's unfortunate that he's not going to get that true draft experience. But you know what? All that money, he's, that that check is going to ca- that that money will be the same color green whether you are drafted in person in New York or drafted virtually. So the the, the sadness will will die down, you know, eventually, right? Like absolutely, <laughs> no. But that's pretty cool. In the latest mock draft from CBS Sports, they have Ob going fifth to the Cavs. Don't go to Cleveland. <laughs> like I know fans want him to be drafted as high as possible, but we're wins Chicago. They pick fifth, right? Uh no, Cavs pick fifth. Uh, oh, you just said fifth. I'm sorry. Chicago, where is Chicago? Did they give up that pick already? No, they should be up at the very top. Last I checked, I thought. Well, we'll just go from the top. They have Lamelo Ball going first to Minnesota, Anthony Edwards to the Warriors, uh, James Wiseman to the Charlotte Jordans, um, and the Bulls are drafting fourth. Uh, a foreign player from Israel whose name I cannot pronounce. No, I would be very surprised no if he doesn't end up in Chicago. I don't think he ends up in Cleveland. Oh, you imagine them two high flyers, Zach Levine and him? It's a dunk contest at practice. I would be very, very surprised if he does not if he's not drafted by by the Bulls. Like I just I, I don't see him drop it to the Cavs. I also don't don't see the Cavs taking him. The Cavs need more guards. Uh, I think that the, you know they're working on a deal with Drummond. And look, that's the thing, though. It's not like with Toppin, though. He's going to be a stretch player, so he's not just going to be labeled one position, right? Like you're going to be able to utilize him in different ways. But I found that interesting. Yeah, so, I hope not the Cavs either, man. It's just a law jam at the, you know, with Drummond and Kevin Love. I mean, it's a log jam there. Like, is he going to get minutes? I mean, and also, you know, Kevin Love and Drummond, well, definitely Kevin Love, he's still owed a lot of money. So moving that contract is going to be a little difficult for the Cavs. Also, Drummond wants a new deal. So are they going youth movement? What are they doing with the Cavs? We don't know. And it is Cleveland. When LeBron's not there, they're not relevant. So I think that's, the you know, at the end of the day, that's exactly what it is. So that's Obi Toppin's news again, November 18th, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. You'll be able to watch the NBA draft, and we'll get to hear Obi Toppin's name finally be called on draft night. It's going to be done virtually, but still, what an accomplishment. It was still cool a couple years ago getting to hear, you know, Costas Antetokounmpo, you know, from, mm-hmm. you know, the Dayton Flyers, you know, getting to hear, you know, all that pub there as far as that's concerned. So good for him uh, as far as that goes. So Jacob Toppin, the brother of Obi Toppin, who played at Rhode Island in the A-10, the same conference as his brother Obi, you know, went up against one another a few times. In fact, Obi literally posterized him. Literally just demolished him uh, in one of the last games that they played at, uh, at UD Arena. <laughs> um, but, no, Jacob Toppin transferred. Uh, you know, he entered the transfer portal, left Rhode Island. Uh, I thought it was in, you know interesting, some of the teams that were looking at him, but he chose Kentucky. And uh, the NCAA did grant his waiver, and he will be immediately eligible for the Wildcats come this winter. Nice. So Nice. Um, I saw a couple other guys got their waivers granted. It seems like the waivers are getting granted at a high rate in basketball now. Like, remember last year in college football, they were handing out waivers left to right to every quarterback. seems like waivers are getting handed out to a lot of basketball players now. Yeah, um, and I don't really know how all the ins and outs, and I don't, I don't get how all of that works. I do know uh, that players who do put their name in the transfer portal, like, they, there's not a whole lot of communication, you know, throughout the process. It's like, okay, you, you do what you got to do to enter, enter the portal, but you, it's just a waiting game. And 
half the time, the explanations and the justifications for granting the waiver, they never make any sense. It's a very blanketed statement. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't go into detail to say, you know what I mean? So that's how the NCAA gets away with everything as far as that goes, too. But no, no one's complaining. NCAA. No one's complaining as far <laughs> as that goes. Um, so And I think that the NCAA has been more lax on this, too, because I don't think that at any point they are going to give up that, that transfer. Like, it's never going to be a free-for-all. This is as close to a free-for-all as you're going to get uh, in college athletics, as far as I'm concerned. Which, by the way, I don't really have a problem with. But I don't think that they are going to go to the point to where they are going to let everybody just willy-nilly bodies all over the place just <laughs> transfer in every single year. Um, so that's going to be... One thing to keep in mind about this coming up here, too, no, every player in college basketball, they don't lose a year of eligibility. Right. So like Loudon Love at Wright State, uh, supposed to be his final year at Wright State, he could get another year. So that's big when you are teams like that. Come on. Or it's big for Loudon, who could... you know I don't know if they'll put restrictions on, okay... If you've been at Wright State that whole time, not just Loudon himself, but players in his position, where, okay, you've been with that team the entire time, it's not like you're a grad transfer. You would just be taking advantage of that extra year that basically that was voided. You know what I mean? So I don't know how that would be, how that would work out. Now, this is kind of off topic, but since you brought him up, Loudon Love, he used to be a football player, right? Yep. What's the possibilities of uh, him taking his talents to the NFL? No idea. Reminds me of the kid that played at TCU that now plays for the Colts. I think we talked about yeah. him last week in the uh, the Cox kid or whatever. Um, they, that kid, when you know, I remember watching those games too. He just he totally just stood out on that court. I mean, he looked like a football player. Loudon, he's lost a ton of weight. Yeah. Though. A ton of weight. I mean, like it's unbelievable how much weight he has lost since coming back uh, since coming to Wright State. So who knows? Uh, but you're right. I mean, he's going to have that opportunity if he wants to pursue it. I don't know. I don't know if he'll get invited to a, a camp. I don't know if he wants to play pro basketball overseas. Jimmy so, Graham style. We'll see how that works out as far as that goes. All right. So we were going to talk about this earlier in the show. I want to bring it up now. So Trevor Lawrence is in a situation where everyone knows he's going to be the number one overall pick. And I say the reason that everyone knows that, that's not a shot at Justin Fields. It's just been that basically whoever has the number one pick in the 2020 and the 2021 NFL draft Trevor Lawrence, that the, the team for Trevor Lawrence has been on the clock since Clemson won the national championship game two years ago. Everyone deemed Trevor Lawrence an, an, an immediate number one overall pick right away. Yep. Now, to be fair, things change. Let's be clear. A year ago, I don't want to say a year ago at this time, because a year ago at this time, LSU was beating Alabama in Tua Tagovailoa. That game was actually like a year ago around this time when, when that happened. But a year ago at the begin, I guess I should say that the beginning of last college football season, the Trevor Lawrence of last year was Tua Tagovailoa. There was no Joe Burrow on the radar. There was, you know, um, like Joe Burrow was not on the radar at all to potentially win a Heisman last year. It's different this year. Trevor Lawrence is the odds-on favorite to be the number one overall draft uh, pick, of course, you most likely go to the Jets. But the gap between him and Justin Fields, it's like this right now, going into the season, mm-hmm. coming into the season, to where Tua didn't have that. Joe Burrow was, like, creeping up. Every single game, and Joe Burrow really closed the book on his legacy. Of course, when they got to the playoff and they, you know, won the national championship, Justin Fields' legacy is already pretty set. As far as how dominant he is, he has more to add to that resume. Of course, he wants to get back to the college football playoff, and he wants to redeem the loss to Clemson in last year's playoff in the Fiesta Bowl. Wants to win a national championship. Wants to win a Heisman Trophy. Wants to preferably win a national championship over Heisman, but he can accomplish both. We saw Joe Burrow do it last year. Point is, is that Trevor Lawrence basically Whoever has that number one overall pick is most likely going to take him as long as they need a quarterback. Trevor Lawrence is that guy. So it was interesting. So if you're watching live on Facebook, take a look. Roddy White says of Trevor Lawrence, if I'm Trevor Lawrence, 
if the Jets finish with no wins, I just go back to Clemson. I don't want any part of that organization. Now, I found this interesting of Roddy White to say if they finish with no wins, the win-loss total doesn't matter to me. Like it's like it's So if they're 0-15 and they win their final game of the year, all of a sudden Trevor Lawrence is like, oh, perfect, they got that one win, I'm going there. I think it's not the win-loss totals that really matter about whether Trevor Lawrence would think about going to the Jets or not. It's really going to come down to, you know, the, you know, the state of that organization. Mm-hmm. That organization's a mess. Um, we talked about this with Joe Burrow last year. I'm not a fan. To be clear here, I get the justification for having the conversation because you don't do everything. You don't work your ass off in college. You don't do everything you do to get to where you are at to be a Joe Burrow or a Trevor Lawrence to let an organization like the Bengals or the Jets ruin your entire body of work. And I'm not. I don't think Joe Burrow's on this path, but the Bengals have done a horrible job of managing. Who he, you know, who he is coming in. They ignored the offensive line. I think that's dangerous. If I'm Joe Burrow looking, if Joe Burrow knew now what he knew then, like if, if you can rewind back to, you know, after last season, if Joe Burrow knew that he was going to be sacked more than anyone else in the NFL, if Joe Burrow knew that he was going to, I mean, that his career could be at risk playing every single week for this Bengals team because they didn't do their job to protect him. Maybe he does question himself about whether he wants to play for Cincinnati. I don't think it's that crazy for quarterbacks to literally sit there and think, is this move going to make sense for me? Because I am looking around the NFL and I see a bunch of quarterbacks that had mad respect coming out of college that are now looked at as jokes in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Baker Mayfield. All right, was it the organization that ate him up or just not good enough? He definitely looked the part coming out of college. All right, you look at Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins, was it the organization that ate him up or is he just not good enough? Because he sure as hell looked good enough coming out of college. Josh Rosen, organization, just not good enough. He looked good enough coming out of college. There's There's so many quarterbacks coming out of college, and we'll do this again as we get closer to the draft, that we're going to circle and say, oh, man, that's the guy. Mm -hmm. They're it. That, that guy's going to be an amazing pro quarterback because they looked the part in college, and then they fail when they get to the NFL. Well, who's to blame? Is it the fact that the kid's just not as good as we thought as far as his game translating to the NFL level, or did that organization ruin him? I'm not a fan of this mentality that you don't go to play for it. It's an honor to be drafted. It's an honor to get to the NFL, but I also see both sides where, hey, it's a gamble. Joe Burrow? Let's say that, you know, for one, how about what the Ravens just did today? They went out and get, got Ngakwe. We spent yesterday talking about, man, maybe they should be one of the teams stepping up to go get an elite wide receiver in Antonio Brown because their offense is really struggling. Mm-hmm. But you know what they did? One of the best defenses in the NFL, the Rich got richer. They just boosted up that defense. They've got another pass rusher. You know, the, the same defensive line that sacked Joe Burrow seven times just a few <laughs> weeks ago went and got Ngakwe, one of the other best pass rushers in the National Football League. So if Joe Burrow, if they end up, if he ends up getting crushed against the Ravens and has a season-ending injury or a career-altering injury, that's why, if you're Trevor Lawrence and others, you look at it and say, that's why you don't trust stupid organizations. You yep. don't trust bad organizations because your best interest is not in their line of sight. They look at you as, oh, they're going to put asses in seats, sell tickets, potentially win games, but they don't pay attention to detail about, well, what do you got to do to keep those guys upright? Mm-hmm. The Bengals are failing at that right now, and the Jets, they have way more issues than just that offensive line. Like, I, If I'm Trevor Lawrence, I'm weary of going to the Jets, but at the same time, you had a Browns team that was 0-16. You get your quarterback, you win seven games the next year, and then all of a sudden, we're talking about how they underachieved. We're talking about a Browns team that underachieved two years after going 0-16. That's how quickly things turn around when you get your quarterback. So there is two ways to look at that as far as I'm concerned. If I'm Trevor Lawrence, 
I'm watching. I'm watching all season. I'm watching to see what moves they're going to make in the front office. I'm starting to see who they're going to hire as a head coach. Um, I've been a proponent of saying I'm not going to these bad organizations. I call it pulling a John Elway, uh, Eli Manning, call it whatever you want. This is your career. This is you're the one that's gonna have to deal be taking these hits and you're the one that's gonna be taking these L's and you're the one they're gonna be talking about in the media. You know, they'll be talking about the GM, like, oh, they need to get rid of the GM, but ultimately you're the one that's gonna have to carry these L's on the rest of your record. So I I understand one hundred percent. I understand these guys taking this ownership into their hands completely. Um I think it should be up for consideration. All right, four five seven nine four six four. That's the number to call in and join in on the conversation. You know, it's interesting. So Mel Kiper uh, put out his top five quarterback list for next year's draft. Uh, if you're watching live on Facebook, head to Facebook, search the Justin Kinder Show, and watch along. Uh, and, and you look right there. Trevor Lawrence right there at the top at number one. Mel Kiper has Trevor Lawrence as the number one quarterback uh, for the 2021 NFL Draft. Justin Fields, number two. Trey Lance from North Dakota State at number three. Kyle Trask out of Florida, number four. And how about Zach Wilson out of BYU? I really like Trask, and I like the kid from BYU. I really like them. I really like Trask. I think Trask is going to be very good in the NFL. So with that, that's a long list of really good quarterbacks that have to, of course, look out. Uh, that of course have to look out for their, what their future holds. You know, with what teams they go to. But my thing is this: is like every team, every player goes to a bad organization. Top player. That's just the nature of the draft. We, we talked about it the other day. I think it's the dumbest thing in the world. Me and you can go to college as regular students. We could be the best at whatever, you know, we can be the smartest student in the in the field that we go to school for, and we are rewarded with it. We're rewarded with it with the best-paying jobs out of college at the best institutions out there. You know what I mean? Like, you mm-hmm. get rewarded. Sports is the only thing that you can go to college for, excel at it at the highest of levels, and you get rewarded with it by going to the worst situation possible. That I'm never a fan of. I've told you my theory on the draft before. I think that they ha- th- this draft setup, we do it because it's tradition, but it has ruined more careers than it has helped careers. And that's the problem. We're always looking for that. Well, it's these 19-year-olds' jobs or 22-year-olds' jobs to come into the NFL and save these franchises. Right. Why are you expecting a 22-year-old to come in here and do something and save a franchise that the 60- and 70-year-olds running the organization are able to figure out? I've never been a fan of that. I think it's ridiculous. Bad teams should not be rewarded with the best players coming out of the draft. So, that's just me. How many seasons do you think a quarterback should get before you label them a bust? It used to be... When did they change the salary cap rookie quarterback rule? So... Before I would have said you got that first full contract, you know, by the end of your first rookie deal, you should be showing signs of being able to play. That's why, like, the, the, we always run into this butting of heads of, like, how long a quarterback should have in the NFL before you deem him a bust or not. Because it used to be, to what we've discussed in the past, you draft a quarterback and you sit behind a veteran. 2011. So, for almost a decade now. Um, and it used to be you draft a quarterback and you do. You are patient with it. That's why I don't like when people talk about Aikman and when people talk about Peyton Manning and people talk about the Because we used to be patient with quarterbacks. We, you know, Cowboys fans weren't bl- I'm sure there were some people sick of Troy Aikman back then and there was a lot of people not sure of, of Peyton Manning, don't get me wrong, but we weren't trained to panic after two or three bad games in a rookie season or even year two or three. Now, if they don't look like MVPs by week eight of their rookie year, we're sitting here saying, oh, they're a bust. That's the difference in today's NFL versus years ago. All right, here we go. 2014 quarterbacks taken in the NFL draft. Blake Bortles out of the NFL. Johnny Manziel out of the NFL. Teddy Bridgewater, starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. 
Uh, Derek Carr, starting quarterback for the team that still drafted him, the Raiders. Garoppolo, starting quarterback for the 49ers. Uh, Logan Thomas, now playing tight end. Tom Savage, out of the NFL. Aaron Murray, works for ESPN. A.J. McCarron is Deshaun Watson's backup. Zach Mettenberger, I have no idea where he is right now. Uh, David Flails, never heard of him. No offense. Uh, Keith Winning, never heard of him. Coldwater kid. You've never heard of him? No. He went to Cincinnati. Yeah, he played at Coldwater, went to Ball State. Okay. Yeah, really. I mean, I only know him because he went to, to Coldwater. Hey. But hey, much love. Keith's a good respect. dude, too. I like him. Much love, much respect. Uh, Taj Boyd worked for ESPN. Um, and Garrett Gilbert. I thought he was still in the league, but I'm not sure. But out of those guys, Carr's the best one. Yeah. Carr's the best one. Garoppolo's been Gar- to a Super Bowl. Garoppolo's got a Super Bowl. He's got a ring. Shouts out to Tom Brady. He does. Go- <laughs> yeah, you're right. But I guess I meant, like, yeah, the, the starter of the guy. Real quick, let's pick up. I wanted to, we're going to take a look at a couple years' drafts, you know, a couple years' worth of draft picks and see where some of those quarterbacks go. But uh, let's be clear. Rarely, a lot of times, the, the top guys drafted rarely pan out. A lot of the best quarterbacks in the league, a lot of the starters in the NFL today, we weren't talking about Jimmy Garoppolo as being the number one quarterback taken off the board in 2014. Carr, those guys, like we weren't sitting here drooling over these guys coming right. out, you know, into that draft at that time. Uh, but four five seven nine four six, where we have to hit this break, we can get your calls on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The season is finally here. No, for real this time. ESPN 1410 Wing AM is Dayton's home of field. Justin Kittle, Ted Nash, back with you here on a Thursday. Week 7 of the NFL season officially kicks. It's just one bad matchup after another. Like, that you should put a good, like a, not the best game, but you should put a decent game right there just to, like, wet the palate of fans to set the tone for the big week of NFL game. It just drives me nuts. Like, Giants-Eagles, like, that's supposed to get you excited for the week ahead. Not that the NFL's struggling in ratings or anything, right. but I'm just saying. It sucks. It's not a it's game garbage. I'm, I'm not watching that game at all. I'll watch something on Netflix, and then I'll watch the debate at 9 o'clock. The real showdown, as far as that goes. <laughs> we got mute buttons tonight. Mute buttons. Oh, that's sometimes what this show needs from time to time. I, <laughs> I agree. Uh, I, I tell you that much. Uh, the Ravens are looking at wide receiver Antonio Br- Nope, nope, I lied. Hmm? Des Bryant. Oh, the X. Now, I'm not saying that they're not looking at Antonio Brown, but I would have a hard time believing that you're working out Des Bryant if you're truly going after Antonio Brown. Um, I do. I, at first, I did believe that, okay, one reason that the Ravens went out and got Ngakwe today, again, trading uh, for him from the Vikings. The Vikings gave up like a second and a fifth round pick to get him. Uh, I think the Vikings had anticipated being a lot better than what they actually are this year once they figured out, I mean, we gave up a second and a fifth round to go all in on a season that we're just straight trash. Luckily for them, they got a second and a fifth round pick back from from the Ravens. So I thought that was pretty interesting as far as that's concerned. Um, but yeah, that, that relationship's the last. I saw people like taking shots at Ngakwe today saying, well, how good is he? He's on his third team in, in, in less than a year. That's all situational. You were on the Jaguars who were blowing their roster up. It wasn't because he wasn't good. It's because they couldn't pay him because they're resetting their roster so they could draft a quarterback and move forward. And then you go to a, a Vikings team that just wasn't playing well and they were under achieving. They only got him because they thought he was going to, you know, enhance what they're doing. I have no he's not a problem. Like he's the the Ravens are now a problem. Yes. 
the Ravens are a problem. I thought maybe they went out and got him just to show Antonio Brown, hey, man, look, we're, there's no question what we bring to the table defensively. You go to the Seahawks, who are already the number one offense, one of the number one or one of the top offenses in the NFL. I, I think it doesn't make sense to go to Seattle. Seattle makes sense to go after him. You gamble. It works out great. If it doesn't, you're not out anything. You're still a team that's averaging a ton of points, and you're fine offensively. So, um, But if I'm Antonio Brown, I don't want to go to Seattle. The only plus there is you're playing with Russell Wilson, which that's the draw. <laughs> that's a pretty good draw. That's the only draw. <laughs> it's a good draw. I'll be playing with a hell of a quarterback. That's fine. You have a, not a hell of a defense. I'm just saying. He ain't still winning undefeated, Super Bowl. though, He's right? Not, who cares about that? The Browns are 4-2. and two. What the hell does that mean right now? They are not winning a Super Bowl. The Seahawks, mark it down. I don't care. This isn't one of my, oh, the Browns are going to beat the, the No, the No, Seattle's not winning a Super Bowl. Not with that defense. It's embarrassingly bad. It's embar- they, they literally are embarrassingly bad defensively. I'm just saying, man, they got a chance. They got a chance. No one has a chance when you have that kind of defense. Defense wins championships, unless you're the Seahawks. That doesn't make any sense. The greatest show on turf? Rams made it back to a Super Bowl with one of the worst defenses in the They NFL. did not have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Yes, they did. When they made it back to the Super Bowl, yes, they that, did. With Kurt Warner and those guys? Yeah, they Look won. Look up where one. they were defensively. Look up where they're at defensively. Bring on Shaw. Shaw, welcome in, sir. Hey. How are you? Hey, I'm. It's not Charles Jerry. Jerry, hey, what's up? So, a couple quick takes. First of all, as far as Antonio Brown going to Seattle, when's Antonio Brown been about anything but Antonio Brown? He's not about winning. He's about who can make him look good. And let's be honest, Russell Wilson is definitely a quarterback who can make you look good. So I wouldn't count out him going to Seattle because again, it's not about winning with Antonio Brown. We've all seen that. It's about who can make me look good and get me a big payday on the back end. Um, That's why he left the Raiders. Well, he's just a complete fool. So, you know, uh, there's that. But, I mean, you, you, do you, you don't think that he's all in for himself? I, look, he has issues. I think that everyone enjoys winning. I think he wants to win, but I think that he has... Look, the guy's just different. I'm not making excuses right. for him. He's very different. I don't like painting guys with this... Like, we do this with OBJ all the time. These guys are the ultimate competitors. I don't believe that they don't care about winning. I definitely believe that they care about winning, but sometimes they care more about other things, and, well, uh, you know, we'll see. Right. I think, he, I think he cares. I just think he cares more about getting himself a big payday down the road and the person the court of, of Lamar Jackson and and um Russell Wilson the the one most likely to get you a big make you look good and get you a big payday after this year would be Wilson just that's just my opinion as far as the Giants and the Eagles I mean yeah they're bad I don't think anybody thought both these teams would be that bad and if you're the NFL, I mean, Philadelphia and New York are two of the biggest markets in the country. So when they scheduled it, they probably figured if these teams are just decent, we'll get really good ratings because just the size of the markets they're in. But as far as the Trevor Lawrence discussion goes, I'll be real quick. I mean, the only thing about about him going back to college this year to not be with the Jets is, is the following year he's going to end up with an organization just as bad. So... I mean, why go back and take the risk of injury? I mean, you're, you're well, the good news is the Bengals already have a quarterback, so they may not take him. <laughs> well, I mean, but you could end up with the Giants, or you could end up with Jacksonville, or you could end up with 
Uh, end up with Washington or whoever. I mean, who right, knows who exactly. the, the next bad team is going to be as far as that's concerned. Exactly. They, so it's, no, you're right. That's the, that's the same argument we make. Every, no matter who has that number one pick, you're always going to a bad organization unless it's a team that is situationally bad due to injuries to star players or whatnot. But the Jets are not a hole or two away of being filled, of being a competitive team. The, I, I agree with you on that. Like, then that's the, the main argument about that is it really doesn't make sense. Oh, I want to go to a good team. Well, name the last good team that had the number one overall pick. Exactly. I mean, you know, it, it almost never happened. So, and, and you know, I mean, it, it doesn't happen often that you get the the Peyton Manning with the Colts, the Andrew Luck with the Colts. You know, if you're a special quarterback, you know, and you got some people in the organization who build who will build around you, you can you can have success even with a really bad team. I thought Kevin Kev Nash brought up a good point about that. It's about looking out and saying, okay, what's this? Jets team doing in the front office? Who are they hiring as a coach? You know, that whole thing I think would inform your decision a lot more than, say, you know, just because it's the Jets, for example. Nope, I get it. But, but, uh, Jerry, I appreciate the call, man. Thank you. You got it, guys. Later. On Facebook, William says uh, a lot of one in five teams in the NFL right now. I mean, we're assuming it's the Jets, but a lot can happen. But the problem is, is a lot of those one in five teams. It just seems like you're right. Like, oh, they only have one more win than the Jets, but the Jets are god-awful. Like, they're so bad that it's like I really have a hard time buying into them putting four good quality quarters together or even one good enough quarter to make up for the other quarters for them to get a win. It's really difficult for me to see a win on their schedule and watch it be the Cleveland Browns, and that'll just cap off the worst season in the history of the world for me uh, if they end up pulling it off against the Browns later in the year. And Adam Gase is their head coach. Then they're not moving on from him because, like, we need you to finish this out, man. Like, you just yeah, keep yeah, they're, gonna, they're not going to fire him. I, I thought they were going to fire him, but they're not going to fire him. They're just going to let him crash this into the wall and see what happens because we see this with other teams that, like, like last year with the Dolphins, like, they started winning games at the end of the season, and people are like, why are they winning games? Why are they winning games? Well, the players aren't trying to lose games. Uh, a rookie head coach isn't trying to lose games. He's trying to still win. So they end up winning games down the back end, and, you know, they fail in the draft or whatever. But this Adam Gase thing, this is a train wreck. I mean, the dude doesn't blink, and not for the good reasons. Uh, William makes another good point that they do play the Bengals. So I, I lied. <laughs> the, the, uh, yeah. The, yeah. Hey, Ron's coming through in the clutch. Rams' first Super Bowl with Warner, the D was ranked third. I said, I said that. I said the first one. First one, they were good. Damn it, Ron. Help me out here. And no, I found, I found it. They were, you were right. They were middle of the pack. They they were terrible and didn't make it back to the Super Bowl. And then uh, when they made it back, they played the Patriots um, with the whole 9-11 thing and Tom Brady's first Super Bowl. They were uh, they were pretty good defense. They were top 10. Rewind. What did you say before that, though? You were right for a change. Thank you. And we are recording. We are recording. Okay, excellent. All right, back to your calls. We have our NFL Week 7 picks coming up around the corner. I'm calling it now. The Jets' first win of the season will be against your Cincinnati Bengals. We'll be back. I know they don't play this week. Relax, folks. But, uh, yeah, I had to get my Bengals shot in. We'll be back in a moment. ESPN Dayton. 
Week 7 of the NFL season getting set to kick off tonight. As we talked about, the Eagles and the Giants, the Snooze Bowl, will kick everything off tonight for Week 7. A lot of big games in the NFL this weekend. Bengals-Browns, Round 2, 1 o'clock Sunday. And, of course, we're excited about that because College Football Hall of Famer Keith Byers and myself, we are going to be live out at Frickers on 741 by the Dayton Mall this Sunday morning, the Sunday morning tailgate show. We are bringing it back live at Frickers. 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, we'll be on the air, 14.10 wing a.m., of course, but you can come watch the show and hang out live. Keith Byers and myself will be out there getting you set for the biggest matchups in the NFL for Week 7, as well as recapping the Buckeyes and some of the other top matchups in the world of college football uh, from Saturday. So come on out starting this Sunday, every Sunday moving forward through the end of December. We're going to be live out at Frickers on 741 by the Dayton Mall, the Sunday morning tailgate show uh, with myself and Keith Byers presented by Frickers, live at Frickers, and we're pretty pumped about about that, and we'll be getting you set for Browns and Bengals, walking you right up to kickoff at one o'clock. Speaking of the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, here's a practice participation list. Uh, of course, you know, just last week we had Jay Morrison on, covers the Bengals for the Athletic. Uh, for those, for the Bengals players who did not participate in practice at all, William Jackson the third cornerback, and Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon. I mean, that's kind of concerning at this point of the week. Now, it doesn't indicate, you know, it says Joe Mixon, his foot, and William Jackson the third is out with a concussion. So, you know, Joe Mixon could just be a precautionary thing of just giving him a day off, letting him kind of heal up and rest. I mean, I would anticipate him playing on Sunday, uh, but keep that in mind. As far as limited participation in practice is concerned, safety, Sean Williams, I mean, why not? He's limited in games. You might as well be limited in practice. And then full participation in practice, which is good, A.J. Green, uh, you know, Carlos Dunlap, uh, you know, Marcus Bailey, and then, of course, just some guys, that, you know, Auden Tate, by the way, back out there. Uh, and, About and again, full participation. AT, my God. So we'll see. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll have a Browns uh, health update for you coming up here around the corner uh, as well. All right, let's take a look. Again, keep in mind, every week we do our ESPN 1410 Wing AM NFL Pro Pick'em Challenge, also presented by Frickers. All you got to do is head to wingam.com. The winners get $25 in Frickers bucks. Weekly round winners, even if you have yet to submit picks for previous weeks, that does not matter. Get your Week 7 picks submitted now. Register at wingam.com. It is free. It does not cost you anything other than a few moments of your time to go and register. Submit your Week 7 picks right now. Go right now to wingam.com and submit your Week 7 NFL picks. In fact, Kevin and I, were doing that right now. We are both at wingam.com. We are both uh, looking at the matchups for this week, and we are going to go down the list just like you do. And we're just going to tell you what our picks are and hopefully help you out. Don't listen to me, though. <laughs> Don't listen to me. I mean, I picked the Browns to beat the Steelers last week, for goodness sakes. I mean, so there you go. Let's start with the snooze fest tonight, Kev. The Giants and the Eagles. First of all, who do you think is favored, and what do you think the line is? Uh, Philly's favorite. I think um, I told you that earlier. But I think it's probably Philly by four. Good job. Hey. The Eagles are favored at home tonight. By four and a half. Hmm. Eagles, Giants, who are you picking? I'm going to go with the Giants because what else can happen? There you go. <laughs> there you go. I'm picking the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles looked a lot better last weekend. Again, they played the Ravens really tough. Carson Wentz played a little bit better. I think the Eagles are still very, uh, not very, they're a pretty good team. They still have talent. Uh, that's the thing. They're without Ertz, though. They, they lost Ertz for the rest of the year. He's on the IR. That's a problem. They got our guy. 
the dude we can't yeah, remember his name. I, I already forgot his name again <laughs> as far as that's concerned. But, no, keep in mind, I'm picking the Eagles. Uh, I'm going to take, you know, four and a half. I'm going to take the over on that. I, I think that they uh, cover tonight as far as that's concerned. Lions, Falcons, Atlanta is at home. They are one and five, welcoming in the two and three Lions. The Lions have not looked as bad as what we thought they looked to start True. the season. Patricia still looks stupid with his hat backwards. But who's favored and what's the line? Uh, I'm going to say Atlanta by seven. Wow. Atlanta is favored. They are at home. They are a two and a half point favorite. Oh. Two and a half point favorite at home. This one's tough to pick. Can this be the last game that Matt Ryan starts at quarterback for the Falcons before he becomes a Cleveland Brown? We don't know. We don't know. Kev says he's old and washed up. He's leading leading the league in passing yards, 11 touchdowns on the year, all things considered. I think think he's doing pretty well. I think this is going to be one of the more entertaining games of the weekend because obviously the Falcons' defense is bad, uh, and so is the Lions' defense when they're playing man-to-man coverage with guys that should be on the practice team. So this is going to be a shootout. Uh, so if you got fantasy guys, you need to pick one of these guys from these teams, man. But I'm going to go with ATL. I'm picking Atlanta as well. Matt Ryan's my new favorite, my one of my new favorite players. Big Matt Ryan fan, future Browns quarterback. I'm all about oh, Matt Ryan, man. baby. Go Falcons. How about that? All right. So I'm not gonna. I'm gonna skip that one. The Browns Bengals. One. We're gonna hit. We're gonna have to close it out with that. We'll get to the Steelers Titans coming up around the corner. That line shifted, by the way. That's interesting. Panthers Saints. The Saints are three and two. The Panthers are three and three. Mm-hmm. The Saints are the home team welcoming in the Panthers. New Orleans. Or Panthers, who are you picking to win this? First of all, who do you think is favored, and what's uh, the line? Saints favored by six. Saints are favored by seven. Who are you picking? I am picking Teddy Two Gloves. I am picking the Panthers to win this game. I'm going to pick the team with an actual quarterback, and I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints. Even though they played better when Teddy Bridgewater was a quarterback last year. Okay. They they won games, but let's keep in mind to go look at how he played. He was horrible. No, he was not. He was garbage. No, he was not. He was boring. He was like Baker, like the beginning of the season, just like going for 150 yards a game. Oh, when ain't gonna get it done? Winning. Oh, I didn't hear that winning tone from yes, you about I Baker. Yes, I did. I did. That is not true. I was just when you were saying it, it's just not sexy. I said y'all finally winning games and y'all still they were not winning happy. games in spite. The, the they Saints won in spite of Bridgewater. No. The Browns were winning in spite of Baker Mayfield. Oh, boy. and that's coming from. Me, Mr. Baker Mayfield's lawyer agent himself, and Browns fans saying that. How are we talking? We talk Browns on everything, even when we're talking about the damn Saints. Drew Brees, baby, he's coming up big. Outplays Teddy Two Gloves. Teddy Two Gloves, one of the only quarterbacks from his draft class, still in the NFL. I want to call him Teddy Who Cares. Uh, Teddy Who Cares is going to lose to the 85-year-old Drew Brees coming up this weekend. <laughs> New Orleans 7-point. I'm picking the Saints over the path, the Panthers. Uh, the Bills, very similar to the Browns, a team that starts 4-2, and two, and they feel like you know, you kind of they lost a lot of momentum. We were named. This is why I hate the early MVP talks. That what that was such crap. Josh Allen was being named MVP two weeks into the season. Him and Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson still looks like an MVP. Don't get me wrong, but this is why I laugh at that stuff. Give me a break. Four and two, by the way, they're not a bad football team. The Bills are a good football team. We're seeing this with Cleveland too. Four and two, it just feels bad because well, the Bills have lost back to back games right. and they haven't won in a few weeks, and then the NFL. You, when you lose back-to-back games, that's a half a month's worth of games that you've lost. 
it's been a while since they've won. They're obviously going to get back into that win category coming up this weekend. The Jets are 0-6, welcoming in the 4-2 and Bills. Obviously, Buffalo's favored. What do you think the line is? Line's got to be 10-plus. You are right, 12.5. Buffalo is a 12.5 point I wanted favorite. to say 12, but I was scared. That's That's super high, but... I mean, let's keep it real. We all believe that's going to happen. Shaw says Burrow and Baker are the same quarterback through six games. Why are we back on that? You were wrong the other day, and you're just as wrong today, Shaw. That is not anyone who has eyes that watched football that year knows that Baker looks a million times better his rookie year than, than Burrow. But anyways, I don't care about that right now. Uh, here's another yawn fest, by the way. Oh, I'm picking the Bills, by the way. What? What? Nothing. You get, I'm not getting angry today. I'm not going to get angry. I'm today. not angry. I am calm. There you go. I'm calm. I wish on the show we could get, like, a blood pressure reader. <laughs> so at the bottom left hand of the screen, you could just see it go beep, beep, beep. Like, you know. Uh, there's going to be certain people I interact with that I might have to, for health reasons, I might have to just kind of, you know, not interact with for my safety, for my health. I'm just saying. All right, Dallas, 2-4, and four, the fighting Andy Daltons. Didn't have a whole lot of fight last weekend. Finger pointing, anonymous, uh, you know, outing to the media. We have no clue what the hell's going on. Jerry Jones canceling media appearances. I mean, what's going on in the Big D? Well, luckily, they're not in the Big D this week. Uh, They are at Washington. Washington 1-5 welcomes in the 2-4 Cowboys. Who's favored and what's the line? Oh, my gosh. It's got to be the Cowboys by three. Cowboys by one. (laughs) The Cowboys by one. Um, look, the Cowboys right now, this isn't a quarterback problem. It's a running back problem. And it is a just an effort problem. It's a it's all across the board problem. Andy Dalton's serviceable. He's fine. He's is what but that's not why they lost this past weekend to the Cardinals. You had, you know, Zeke Elliott fumbling the ball twice. you I mean, he's stealing money. I mean, he is literally I mean, he is literally stealing money uh from the Dallas Cowboys, which is what I predicted would happen back when he signed that contract. I said it was stupid as hell for the Cowboys to give a running back that much money, but it is what it is. Zeke has 413 yards, five touchdowns at this point of the season. They they're going to have to rely on him. Like the reason that I thought that the Cowboys can kind of kind of you know reinvent themselves. You have a running back that you can really feed the ball to a lot, and they can't rely on him right now. I'm going to pick the Cowboys just because I think they're more desperate than Washington. Washington's going nowhere fast. Uh, you know Kyle Allen now the quarterback, Alex Smith the backup. I mean I'm over the Washington Buckeye experience since Dwayne Haskins is now the third string quarterback. Dallas a one point favorite on the road. I say they win by a touchdown. Cowboys, this is a game I will not be watching. Shouts out to the fumbler, a.k.a. Zeke. A.k.a. Zeke? Yeah, he's the fumbler now. Everybody gets that tag. You know, Tiki Barber was a fumbler. Now he is. He's a fumbler. Oh, Tiki. Texans, 1-5, and five, welcoming mm. in the 4-1 and one Packers. Mm. Texans are the home team. Mm. The enemy's future team, according to Kev, <laughs> is welcoming in the Packers. Who is favored? What's the line? Packers by six. Packers by six. Green Bay is favored by three and a half. Oh. Um, it's so funny, too. You know, I was, I was listening to Colin's show earlier today, and he talked about, like, the identity of losing teams versus winning teams. The Browns and the Packers had the same weekend. Mm-hmm. And in Green Bay... And he was talking about how he, and I do that too, where I'll tune into different markets just to get a feel for how fans are reacting to certain. He said he tuned into Green Bay Radio today and just said that there is no panic, that right. they've already moved on from it. 
and here we are. It's Thursday, and we're still talking about how the you know the mentality that you know the, the Browns seem mentally weak right mm-hmm. now because they're still defending themselves about the you know the morale of the team right now. You could just tell a team that's used to losing; they have no confidence. Uh, Rams got to be favored in this matchup. I'm Why do they got to be favored? They got to be man. They got to bounce back after that loss of San Fran on Sunday Night Football. Now they're back on Monday Night Football. Jalen Ramsey's doing a ton of talking. They got to be favored. They're probably not though. Uh, the Rams are favored. They're, hey, they're a six-point favorite. Really? That's a big, that's a decent-sized line okay. for a five-and-one Bears team. But just as I told you about the Seahawks, records don't always matter. So uh, five-and-one is the record of the Bears. Now um, that Bears defense is legit. The Rams offense were the top offenses in the league, but they haven't played a lot of great defenses. I want to pick the Bears. I just can't trust that offense, even though Nick Foles has been an upgrade at quarterback, not by much, but he has been an upgrade. I'm going to pick the Rams, but uh, I'm not going to... By six, I won't say by six, but it'll be a close one. I think the Rams win a close one. I'm going to give them the edge just playing at home, even though I don't know really what a home field advantage is in 2020 with no fans or limited fans, but I'm picking the Rams. Definitely uh, not by six. It's going to be a close game, but I'm going to go with the Rams as well. All right. He said, uh, that's not the take I was talking about. Uh, You bashing Wilson is what he was. I'm not bashing Wilson. I just got done saying Wilson's really good. I just said he was not that good. I mean, his rookie year, he wasn't bad. He just he didn't turn the ball over, which is all you need from your rookie quarterback if you need everything to go perfect. But I'm just saying. Just saying. All right. Who else we got? So here are the bye teams, by the way, this week. The Colts, bye week. The Dolphins, bye week. The second-best rookie quarterback in the NFL will make his debut uh, coming up in uh, two weeks. The Vikings have a bye week, which they've technically been off all year. And the Baltimore Ravens, after acquiring Ngakwe, they will be off this weekend as well. Uh, So they'll have about a week and a half to kind of get Ngakwe settled in uh, to his new role with the Ravens. All right. So I said that uh, Tua Tagovailoa, the second-best rookie quarterback in the NFL, will be making his debut here in a week and a half for the Dolphins. But the best rookie quarterback in the NFL in Justin Herbert and the Chargers, 1-4 on the year, welcoming in the 1-5 Jaguars. Not a whole lot of wins in this matchup. Someone mm-hmm. should come away with the win. Who is favored in this, and what's the line? Uh, Chargers, Jaguars. Chargers by 6. Chargers by 7.5 is the line. Uh, but, yeah, I'm picking the Chargers in this one. Uh, their offense has looked a lot better and more explosive since, obviously, switching over to Justin Herbert. They've played some really, really good teams. Yeah. Uh, and this is finally a team that they're going to be able to beat up on. But watch just the way the NFL goes. This will be that game for Herbert, the rookie game for Herbert that we've yet to see. So, And it's because I've been talking smack all week, too. The curse of the Kenner could potentially come into play. But I'm picking the Chargers. I'm going to say they win by 14. Uh, I am rolling with the Chargers, but I am rooting for Jacksonville just so you can eat crow. What is that about this eating crow thing? Like everyone, I, I got that a lot on Facebook. Eating crow. How's crow taste? How's crow taste? I got your crow. <laughs> All right. And now we move back up to the games that are really going to interest me as far as this is concerned. You have the Steelers and the Titans. Mm-hmm. A battle of 5-0. and oh. mm-hmm. The COVID Titans welcoming in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ooh, the Steelers have still not beaten anybody this year, so I don't know how good. No, I'm joking. <laughs> the Steelers took it to the Browns last week. They have a ton of momentum right now heading into Tennessee. Tennessee, though, just got done winning two games in five days. Man. Two games in five days they come away with uh, two wins in that stretch tennessee's the home team they're five and oh five and oh steelers on the road a one o'clock kickoff who's favored what's the line gotta be tennessee by three this is like as close as possibly could be right tennessee by one 
Oh, even closer. Tennessee by one is the line. Schrody says uh, Titans by 100. <laughs> Schrody, man, we're so cool, man. You know, we don't like Kenner together. You know, we gang up on him together. But now we're we're foes in this matchup. Uh, Schrody's a smart man. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna pick Tennessee. I think that us uh, without Devin Bush for the rest of the season is really gonna hurt us early. Ah, uh, the excuse first, train. Uh, no, it's choo choo. Oh, yeah. All aboard. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your excuses, everybody. The train takes off in 60 seconds. Kev Nash is leading the way. Excuse. I think we're going to lose this matchup um, and at, potentially lose another until we get comfortable being without Devin Bush. It's going to be a great game. Uh, look for this be the game of the week for sure. I'm locked in. And you know what? Actually, I was supposed to go vote on Sunday. And voting uh, Early voting starts at 1 o'clock. I'm going to vote on Sunday because the Buckeyes don't kick off till noon and they open up at 8 o'clock. So I will be voting super early on Saturday so I can make sure I can watch this game in its entirety. Go Steelers, but for these picks, I'm going to pick Tennessee. What's a shorter line right now? DMV or voting? Uh, Voting, unfortunately. Well, i got to figure out which line I want to stand in longer coming up because my birthday's coming up, so i got to go stand in line for the tags. i got to fly, you know, flying out in December. Uh, oh, you got to get through So i got to go get that new thing taken care of. So, you know, you I really wish you know what would be really convenient. There to get my new license, there to get all that updated. And, oh, yeah, here's who I'm voting for. Can you get that taken care of? Like, why can't it be a one-stop shop? Would only be so easy. You got all the documents you need because it's you got to bring a ton of documents to get like your new what? license. You got to bring like a credit card bill. You got to bring like uh, your birth certificate. You got to bring freaking stool sample. The whole nine, bruh. <laughs> it's a pain. It's a pain. I'll work on the stool sample. <laughs> I will work on the stool sample. So uh, wow, the Browns fan talking about excuses. Great take. <laughs> I, I made no excuses about this past you week. Did, you did a little, bit, a little bit. What was the excuse bit, I made? A little, bit, a little bit. I made no... Uh, all week I've been praising the Steelers, saying how like they literally just dominated the Browns. I'm messing they, with you, man. Bite me. <laughs> Relax. I'm not... I'm relaxed. This is... The sad thing is, is you think I'm not relaxed. That's the problem. All right. The Cincinnati Bengals are 1-4-1. One, one. Uh, they kick off at 1 o'clock. On Sunday, and about three hours after that, about four o'clock, they will be one five and one. The Bengals are welcoming in the Cleveland Browns mm-hmm. coming off. You know, they just got punched in the mouth twice, both sides, left, right, and then the uppercut. I mean, just when you thought, I mean, it was unbelievable. Uh, so, the Browns been a tough week for them. Very. But just what the doctor ordered, a bad team on the schedule to kind of let you, you know, get your confidence back a little bit. So thank you, Cincinnati. I'm glad the front office is horrible to provide a team like this for the Browns to beat up on after getting beat up on by the Steelers. Yeah. So who's favored? Who? What's the line? Browns by six. The Browns are favored. They are favored only by three. Over-unders at 50 and a half. Mm. I will go with the over. I'll go with the over. You go with the over on that? Yeah, the first match was, was over like that, too. 30, what, 38 to 35 or something like that? Yeah, it was it was way over that, too, the last time they played. Uh, I'm picking the Browns, obviously. I'm going to do it less uh, cocky-like this week, I guess. But, uh, you know, the Bengals are bad. Defense is bad. Joe Burrow's overrated. That offensive line is straight garbage. Miles Garrett's going to get to him a ton. And it's only going to get worse for the Bengals. You know the Ravens just got it Gakway. That defensive line before... 
they got Ngakwe, sacked him seven times. And then you watch what that defensive line for the Steelers just did to Baker, who has a good offensive line. Woo, doggy. If the Bengals didn't blow a 21-point lead last week to the Colts, I would have picked them this week. And if my aunt had nuts, she'd be my uncle. Can you say that on the radio? Um, she ain't listening. <laughs> so for that reason alone, I am picking the Browns to win this matchup. And I'm looking back at my picks. I got a ton of road teams winning. I know it's a COVID year and all that type of stuff, so home field advantage really isn't all that. But I got a ton of road teams winning, and a lot of this is not going to happen. <laughs> I just know it's not going to happen. So, yeah, I got the Browns winning this matchup. Bengals, y'all had me because y'all were up 21 to nothing over the Colts, and I was dancing. I was dancing because my Steelers were winning. I was dancing because y'all was winning. Why were you dancing? You're a Steelers you're a Bengals fan? No. I just like when you. That's what I thought. I just wanted to hear you <laughs> yeah. actually just come out and announce. See, see that, that? That's called being a hater. Yeah. Yeah, I know a thing or two about that. <laughs> if I had a business card, it would be the number one hater. And that is our week seven NFL picks. All right, everybody. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash live here on 1410 ESPN Radio. College basketball news coming up around the corner. It is funny as hell. This is not happening. But Penn State, just them and their head coach, uh, and Pat Chambers. Pat Chambers announced that he is stepping away and resigning from the program. Penn State's been respectable, Mm -hmm. all things considered. Of course, right away, anytime a Big Ten position opens up, you start looking at some of the smaller conferences, the beneath conferences, and the people start throwing out names. Anthony Grant, that's not happening. That is not happening. It would never happen. Not Penn State. You don't leave UD, who's a better basketball program than Penn State, even if they're not in the Big Ten. You don't do that. You don't leave. for. I can't believe I've seen so many social media things about that. Unbelievable. Um, but we'll talk a little baseball coming up around the corner. How about this? Michael Jordan, a slam dunk in NASCAR. The number 23 coming to a car near you. Floyd Mayweather is very critical of boxing. I'll tell you what he's critical of coming up around the corner. we got lots to dive into in our final 20 minutes of the show. Don't go anywhere. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. We just gave you our Week 7 NFL picks. Those are officially in the books. Keep in mind, when I gave the pick about the Saints beating the Panthers, Michael Thomas, who was supposed to be back this week, um, was limited in yesterday's practice, and then today came out, left in the middle of media availability, and then never came back out and was listed on the media injury report as, well, not he didn't play at all. He didn't participate at all uh, as far as that's concerned. What's going on there? I mean, he could be on his way out, too, by the trade deadline. I have no idea. I've heard multiple reports that the Saints aren't against shipping him out, as far as that's concerned as well. Wow. So, um, I mean, look, he, he's, he makes a lot of sense when he's there, when you have him along. And they just gave, they're just they looking to give Kamara a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And Michael Thomas has a lot of money. Um, he just but, signed that deal. Yeah, so it's one of those things where you look at it, and it's like, okay, well, you're about to lose Drew Brees. He's, he's retiring after this year. There's, I, I, there's no way he's the quarterback of the Saints in 2021. Not that the Saints wouldn't welcome him back, but I just think that he was so close to... I think Drew Brees, you see the step that he's taken back this year. I think he mentally knew he was taking a step back. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why he was pondering whether to actually retire or not. He comes back, and you could tell why he's on, on the fence, but still... Uh, you know, playing the quarterback position at a high level, I think he'll be fine. Saints are three and two. Um, no, Michael Thomas most likely nothing has been named official, as far as that's concerned. 
Bubba Wallace to race in the number 23 car for Michael Jordan, Denny Hamlin, NASCAR team. Uh, and Bubba Wallace put out a very cool uh, 23 uh, NASCAR video earlier today that I thought was pretty cool. Again, um, you know, picking the car number for Michael Jordan's new NASCAR team was a slam dunk. Bubba Wallace will drive the number 23 car when the team makes its debut next season. Uh, Jordan named his team uh, 23 Racing, pronounced 2311, or 2311 Racing, in honor of both his retired uniform number with the Chicago Bulls and the car number of his partner and three-time Daytona 500 champion, Denny Hamlin. So nice. the Michael Jordan uh, team name is 2311 Racing. Um, and, of course, it's being, you know, the face of that is Bubba Wallace. Jordan and Hamlin announced last month that they had a they had formed a NASCAR team with Bubba Wallace as the driver, a high-profile pairing of a black majority team owner and the only black driver at NASCAR's top Level, so I thought it was interesting when MJ first purchased, you know, w- you know, put his name into this venture, uh, and I like seeing the MJ tie-in there. I think you're going to see that this is huge uh, moving forward. I mean, MJ is all over the place, man. I mean, he owns a team, now he owns a racing team. He's finally doing some work like outside of just sports-related, man. It's it, it's awesome to see MJ in his second career of his life you know what I'm saying so for a person that grew up watching MJ you know just dominate on a basketball court now we're seeing him venture off into other business it's pretty cool Floyd Mayweather in the world of boxing says that well he's the latest voice um sorry um Man, I couldn't breathe there for a second. Anyways, the Rona. No, Floyd, Weather, uh, Floyd Mayweather Jr. is the latest voice to criticize the growing number of championships in boxing. This is not good for the sport of boxing, Mayweather said in an interview with Showtime. Now when a fighter fights, every fighter is a champion. You know, every fight you know, every fight on the card coming up, it's oh he's you know, you got this champion going mm-hmm. up against this guy. There's a championship being defended every single fight and it waters down. You know, you know, fans, especially for a sport that has lost a lot of its fan following, when you're trying to, you know, get, get new fans to come in, it's really hard to tell which of the championships matter more. Championships matter most. I see that they're doing these boxing rankings. Rankings now. Uh, you have, of, of course, you know, I'm looking at that for one. I don't recognize half the fighters on there. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, and then you, I don't know. It, it just it doesn't. I'm, I agree with them. Like, I don't know why there has to be so many. I don't even know what the total amount of belts is. But if you watch any undercard, every one of them is coming out with the belt pretty much. Yeah, I was watching. I'm still a, a boxing fan. And I was watching Lamento Le- Le- <clears throat> and Lopez fight. And as I'm watching the fight, they said, yeah, the six belts are up for grabs tonight. One so has six. Okay. One has four. The other has two. And Lopez ended up winning the fight. And he's got like six belts. And I'm just like, man, six belts? That seems like a lot. Now, I'm not dialed into boxing like I used to be, but I just remember, like, what was uh, the WBC, the WIO, and this championship. So it was really just, like, three belts. Uh, this is very uh, almost wrestling S, you know, the international champion, the world champion, the down-the-street champion. I understand where people are coming from, but, you know, ultimately, this is boxing because it's such a independent contractor sport. Um there's no governing body to say, hey, you two guys are fighting. Each fighter is their own independent contractor. Like you have MMA, you know, when you're a part of the MMA, you know, Dana White, he's making these fights happen. He's drawing the matchups. You know, obviously in the NBA and NHL and baseball, we got a schedule and we play. You know, you can technically dodge fights all you want. You can navigate your own career how you want after you get these so-called championship belts to make yourself whatever you want to be. Um, I There'll never be a governing body in boxing because the 
fighters will never do that. But yeah, it does seem weird that everybody and their mom has belts now. Yeah, ESPN also put out like their top ten. Like everything's about rankings now. They put out a ranking system for their top ten boxers. Tyson Fury coming in at number seven and uh, watching first take them breaking down that roster yesterday, that ranking yesterday, saying they don't understand that you're heavyweight champion. Now your number one boxer is number seven on a list. And he said this is why boxing can't be taken serious when you have a list that comes out like that where Tyson Fury is ranked seventh. Um, interesting nonetheless. I do think that you do need rankings like that too, too for conversational points. Too. Mm-hmm. You get people talking. Yeah. Who cares if the credibility of those rankings or whatnot? If it gets people talking and they're talking about your sport and you see Tyson Fury coming in at number seven, that's going to get even the most average of fans like me mm-hmm. talking about it because it caught my attention. I didn't recognize a lot of names on that list, but I was like, really? Tyson Fury, number seven? Really? Interesting uh, as far as that goes. That wraps it up for us today. Tomorrow will be the last day, only Friday. Friday is the only day that separates us in Ohio State football. Finally. Ohio State kicks off on Saturday at noon, 1030 the pregame. One more thing this Sunday, make sure you head on out to Frickers on 741 by the Dayton Mall, the Sunday morning tailgate show. You get to hang out with College Football Hall of Famer Keith Byers and myself. We'll get you set for all the big matchups in week seven of the NFL, as well as recap some of the big head-to-head matchups in college football Saturday, including recapping your Ohio State Buckeyes. We know they're winning. We just don't know by how much yet. We just don't know by how much yet. So we'll talk about all that Sunday morning, Sunday morning tailgate show, live from Frickers on 741 by the Dayton Mall. Until tomorrow, it's been the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash on 1410 ESPN Radio.